four, three, two, one. Go, Josh, go. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Welcome to episode 98 of Plat Chat. Presented. Wait, sorry, what? 97? Oh, shit. 97. Presented by T-Mobile. Listen, I don't know what number it is, but I do know this for a fact. It's presented by T-Mobile, as it always is, and as it always should be. Uh, we're joined by a, a, a smorgasbord of people here. We've, we've got our classic uh, brand replacement, Avast, and also, and now also Avril as well, who is a wonderful mat replacement. I mean, that that can be permanent. I'm I'm good with that. I think I, I think that should be a permanent replacement. I'm just I'm glad that you we've got like the third uh, personality in the Overwatch scene that whose name starts with AV to get on the show. So you know, I, mean, I don't know that you have an Avala yet, but it's it's me, Avast, and Avala, the, the three people oh, yeah. whose name starts with AV. So there oh, it is. Yeah. That would be too powerful to have you all together in a room, I, know. I think. Surely there's got to be a fourth, isn't there? Like, no, I don't uh, know. Is there? Of, I, can't, I can't think who of Who are we missing? Of, I'm, of, there's none. Of there's none. There really no, isn't. There, there, really isn't, isn't. there isn't. Unless we were to get... It's an exclusive non... club. There's no player yeah, we or get, anything. Like, Avril Levine or something. <laughs> Avril no other... Levine. Yeah, there's we'll no get other Avril, Avast, Avala, and Avril Levine. And we'll discuss Overwatch 2. And yeah, that, that yeah, sounds like I a great be a show. I think that'd be a really good draw. Yeah, actually, by the way, just just quickly with me being here, if you listen really carefully, you'll be able to hear the sounds of thousands of people being silenced by the fact that you finally, apparently, you finally got someone that watches APAC on the show now. So. Exactly. Well done. Well done. Oh, we got that oh going for us. I, I will tell <laughs> you, though. rumors now, are we? We're not going oh, oh, to talk God. about APAC the entire show. We're just going to force Avril to talk about North America yeah. the I mean, whole we're time. Actually, we're actually here to just talk about Love Island, Avril, because you're replacing Matt. So, like, <laughs> now, you say that. that. You say Wait, that. This isn't a Pokemon. We're not here to talk about Pokemon Unite. What's going on? Well, this I mean, if, if any of you have played Pokemon Unite, then maybe we'll start a Pokemon Unite Plat Chat podcast. But uh, as far as I can tell, it's a bit of pay to win isn't it i mean no one's played it anyway we were talking about this before the show avast has not played pokemon unite because he was a Yu-Gi-Oh fan so he just preferred yeah. that kind of the trading card game instead you're just nodding I along i'm well i'm first trying to figure out how for, they're not necessarily mutually exclusive you could like Yu-Gi-Oh and pokemon no not but true but like i don't i just don't <laughs> like pokemon i don't because i feel like I'm I'm telling Sheeple to wake up. Sheeple, it's time to wake up. You keep you keep buying Pokemon stuff year after year. It's the same thing over and over and over again. You need to exit the simulation, okay? You need okay. Neo to rescue you from the Matrix. Wow. Okay. Yeah. What, I'm what so surprised people, by this. Sorry, what should people start liking if they don't like Pokemon anymore? I've asked. Yeah. What well, they're gonna fill that? Uh, hours they with. should. They should first of all. I mean, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh is obviously an option uh, without <laughs> dude, Pokemon. All right, dude. We need a we need, we need a replacement for Avast. It's Come on, so dude. surprising. I I don't get it because Pokemon seems like the easiest layup for like brand and clout that Avast could ever had. Like just you know referring to players as Pokemon and stuff, but instead he just. You know, He's discarded it completely. I don't, yeah. take the, I don't take the easy layups. It's a okay? cultural touchstone. I don't take that. Uh, I don't do. I don't do. Anyway, they take the easy way out. Avast, you said it. you said earlier that we're only going to be talking about Love Island. Matt, despite not being here, has given the, the time to put a research document together on the updates <laughs> in the life of Love Island. Avast, who I mean, Jeremy. So here we go. He, I mean, first of all, he doesn't understand the scheduling, so we just left that all in there. <laughs> And then, and then secondly, <laughs> secondly, he said, here's an update on Love Island of Ass, whose name is Jeremy. I mean, Avril, if you, if you, I, I know you tune into the show avidly, but <laughs> there's, there's a person on Love Island who looks exactly like the Chad version of a, a muscular of Ass. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So pretty much. Jeremy apparently uh, broke things off with Trina to pursue Amy. Ooh. Mad can't spell. Mad can't spell. Look at this. Look at these sentences. There's no spelling in here. Well, no, I think that's how she spells Amy. Unless you mean pursue. No, no, pursue. <laughs> look at pursue. Yeah. Like that's, and, yeah. and he spelled pursue. <laughs> Actually, I think he. I think he spelled it right the second time, or did okay. he? Is that how you spell pursue? Jeremy, no, there's a U. It's supposed to be you. It's a U. Yeah, it's you. Are he spelled it wrong twice? Okay. Jeremy and Amy got together, but shortly after, Florita came in, decided they were just friends, and Jeremy pursued Florita, Florita, Florida. At coupling, at recoupling, Florita selected Jeremy. But the next episode, America voted them a bottom four couple. Oh. I remember I remember doing that. Everyone came together in America. There was a national alert. <laughs> Amber alert. Your phones are vibrating like zzz, zzz. When, you, you, when you said there was a typo, I thought it was Flo I thought it meant it was Florida. It was like, no, oh, it's it Florida wrong. <laughs> I mean I was like, yeah, Florida and Jeremy are dating. The whole state of Florida and Jeremy, they're, they're in a relationship. Like, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was what was going on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the boys. I don't know what I don't know what that means. The boys. I don't understand the format of the show. Just, so there, this, this, the show is split like down. Like, have you started yeah, watching like, it? Have you started watching it no, now that you're on it? I haven't started watching it. It's it's literally such a basic dynamic of dating shows where you split the women and the men, and like okay. they kind of like interact separately. Okay, okay. So the boys saved Olivia, and the girls saved Jeremy. But now he has no couple, and he's sad that Florita is gone. Oh. What a tragedy. Like, that that's tragedy. That's got a whole character arc over the course of just one week. All of that happened to him in one week. Uh, that's what happened to you in one week. Have you been in three different relationships <laughs> and had your heart broken? <laughs> Have you had the whole of America <sighs> rally behind you? Have you been saved by a pack of girls? Well, I has wish. your week been interesting? I wish. I mean, my week has been good been fun but it's uh i have not ha i've not had america come together to vote me a bottom for the member of a couple no we haven't we haven't used the national emergency alert system that we use for nukes to be like guys we have to vote like right now we haven't used that yet so, that would know oh god i love that um also the scheduling you might have noticed there was some scheduling stuff on there i think that was a decent time to oh wait no we can't plug the show that already occurred can we because that talent takedown draft has already happened at this point all right, well, bleh, my brain is melted well, as well. if you missed it, it happened a few hours before the episode goes live. Now, that is a much better way of doing things, isn't it, Kurt? There you if go. You, if you missed it, go back and watch it. It'll be on this channel as well. It'll be like a 30 minutes of us drafting teams for the T-Mobile talent takedown. And, you know, talking to T-Mobile, they happen to sponsor this show as well. And you know who to trust? It's them. T-Mobile wants to be the best in the world at connecting people to their world. With so much of our lives these days happening through a wireless connection, nothing but the best will do. We rely on wireless to do almost everything in life, from big deals to everyday <clears throat> connections. <clears throat> Wait, I've beefed it. Where where was it? <laughs> oh no. no! From big deals to from everyday connections. Shut, connections. shut up! Yep. Shut up! So okay. if you can't rely on your network, it can have big consequences. That's why you can't just trust this stuff to anyone. T-Mobile is America's largest and fastest 5G network, and with coverage and speed like this, why wouldn't America. you go with the best around? There you have it. In America. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, America's largest and fastest 5G network. It was voted by the same people that voted Jeremy a bottom four couple. I don't think they you vote for who together. the largest and fastest is. They're, they're no, they in do. some they sense objective truths. I mean, the, the, the voting's objective. <laughs> they asked yeah, them. Voting by <laughs> definition is not objective, it's subjective. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? Like anything There's that an you objective behind on. it. 
There is an objective. <laughs> no, oh, oh that's, my God. that's some antics. Jesus Christ. That is some antics. Um, okay, I want to get into the conversation here. Actually, no, I do. I want to get into the conversation about the playoffs. The playoffs have been announced, and we missed this right before our, uh, or rather, this news was announced right after our last week's episode. And Matt was just sat there like this the whole episode. Just keeping his lips sealed, not giving us an inch, not telling us any information. And then immediately, as soon as we posted Plat Chat, the playoffs got announced. Um, what do you think about this shit? We've got the playoffs in person. All of the teams that qualify flying in. This isn't some shit that's split between the West and the Eastern region. We'll be forced to watch APAC, God help us. And uh, we'll, we'll have to pay attention to it. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> the, that, that, that's how it's going to be. This is the same venue, by the way. Texas venue is the same one they used for the Dallas event. Yeah. That's recently, yeah. Yes. It is. It's the same one they used for this most recent one, and it's the same one they used uh, for the most the last homestand in 2020. It's, it's not that picture, by the way. That picture is from Philadelphia. Yeah, it's not that picture, but it's the Esports Stadium Arlington, which was the most recent Dallas event, um, and they've used a couple times. So yeah. it holds about two thousand people, one thousand, one thousand five hundred. I would exactly say a thousand. Sure. I would say a thousand, but it could go higher because I know they didn't fill it up totally for this last thing because of like potentially because of COVID stuff. Right. So like, I mean, it could go higher, but it was pretty packed for that last Dallas yeah. event, and so I would say about at least a thousand. Well, let's start okay. with the let's start with the format to begin with, though, because I think the public didn't exactly know what the format was up until this point, right? So. It's the we knew that the three Western teams would be able to automatically qualify for the playoff bracket. We knew that the two Eastern region teams they automatically qualify, but the play ins it is the fourth through ninth teams fight over the last two spots in the West, and then the third through fifth teams in the East fight over one last spot. So that's highly competitive in the APAC region, particularly like that's that's the region that I think makes the most. That, that's the region where this has the most impact because it feels like most of the spots are pretty locked up in North America, at least. You kind of know who's uh, at least getting into the play-ins. Yeah, at least not the seeding, you know? The, the seeding is there, like, who making the play-ins and who's making the playoffs. But uh, APAC is definitely the most competitive region because, I mean, in the mix there, Shanghai is obviously number one. But then I think Seoul is second right because yeah. they've had so many successful games, right? And then it's just, like, Chengdu, Hangzhou, Philly are like clumped up, but I think the thing the same win uh score. But Chengdu has a way easier strength of schedule in the Countdown Cup, so yeah. um, that's going to be very exciting. New York has like an outside chance of making the planes, I think. Um, uh, but it seems as though it's going to be Hangzhou, Philly, and Chengdu on paper. Mm. I, I, I gotta say, like, I don't know why uh, maybe it is an obvious thing and I just haven't thought about it properly, but three through five is only three teams for the Eastern region one to me. Why couldn't it just be three to six? I feel like you'd have a pretty clean bracket, four teams, you know, kind of like a semifinals into a finals thing in the play in the play-ins to get you the one last spot. That seems pretty clean to me. Um, it's one extra match as well, uh, and it would just fit in one extra team in APAC for the play-ins to maybe uh, squeeze somebody through. Three just I seems think, really tight. I think the logic probably goes that they eliminated the bottom three teams from the West, so they eliminate the bottom three teams from the East. I think that's probably the logic as far as yeah. that goes. I mean, I can see that, but then like it's proportionally not correct because there's more teams from the West going in because it's obviously a bigger region. Yeah. The Plains is bigger, but then if you eliminate the same amount of teams, that's the one part that doesn't match up as, as far as the proportion goes. Yeah. Um, so I would have imagined, look, okay, there's, there's less teams from the East that go into the playoffs, 
but then maybe their play-ins is proportionally matching as well. So maybe you eliminate only the bottom two teams instead of the bottom three teams. I, I mean, it could just be that, you know, by having a bigger percentage of teams eliminated, and I don't know how the percentage matches the North American one, but um, if if you remove the bottom teams and don't let more teams in, you're, you're like punishing teams who didn't do good in the regular season. And you avoid the scenario we had last year where like teams that were shit throughout <clears throat> Washington Justice just came out in the playoffs uh, guns placing and played really well. So, um, you know, it, 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 it it's, doesn't really relate to APAC region specifically, but that's right. what we're talking about now. But I, I, I'm not going to cry over teams getting penalized for having shitty yeah. regular season records. Um, when it comes I mean, Johnny, isn't it kind of cool the story of Washington coming through and just kind of smashing a little bit as well? Like, uh, there's there's I, one, there's two sides sure. of the same coin, right? Because on one side of the coin, you're right, it's like, oh, it's kind of crappy, like a team that got dumps in the regular season is suddenly doing well. But on the other hand, it's like, hey, this is like a pretty cool underdog story. Yeah, but but the way it, they did it felt shit. You know, if if it was like any other team, if it was Houston Outlaws or Boston Uprising. Yeah, that'd be fucking dope. But this team just picked up Decay, who like <laughs> refused to play on his original team. And then in, in in the like Dallas Fuel were upset that he got to sign with Washington Justice in the first place. They just like they didn't play, you know, they, they skirted their way around the rules. That that was just like a shitty way to do it. So I get where you're coming from. I was happy to see Washington Justice actually play the Kansori. I found it very interesting to watch. But I mean, it kind of defeated the the you know, it's it, I don't know. It, it felt a bit not cheating, but it, it felt uh, yeah. I not not the biggest fan. Yeah. They also skirted more rules too. Technically, when you think about it, because they technically signed Decay onto like, well, if you don't have enough players, you can bring in a player for, for postseason to come play. But they still had Lulcius on the roster, and they were but playing he Decay get there because of his visa. He couldn't get there, but he could play. <laughs> he could definitely play. So, you know, other people played on ping. So you could argue there's, you know, I, I think the situation was definitely very different. And also, let's be honest, like, that was just, the Hogs Zarya well, shit was just really dumb. Yeah, also, I mean, the, I'd the like meta to say, is wild. I'd like to say as well, if we're discussing about New York Excelsior here, because they seem to be that team that gets the sixth spot in that case, I'm sorry. I have no sympathy for New York Excelsior. Your, your tank line was fucking ass in the first half of the season. I have no sympathy for that team if they don't get included in the play. Yeah, but they have less teams. That, to be fair, I do. I do get like proportionally. It's just like not like. Am I gonna like if I have a shin shopping machine and I take taking off the same amount of shins from someone that's four foot ten and someone that's six foot? <laughs> like, it's, like it's just not the same, lost. right? What? So, <laughs> Who, well, you get what I'm saying, that's right? An analogy. Who's like letting that, you loose you, with a shin chopping machine? What well, is that machine point, right? for? That's not that's not, the machine is to chop shins. That's the whole point of it. The point being though is that there <sighs> there's far less teams in APAC. Like there, you could argue, and also they've been stuck with fucking. They've been trapped in the cage with Shanghai all year, right? And so, and now they have like way less opportunities comparatively since we already have a short season. So I honestly do agree with Avril on that. That it's like kind of it's it seems like a lot of like they're not just take it down to like make it three to six. New York like are one of those five. teams as well where I could I could actually see a major meta shift making them a much better team. It would have to be a Which very one? specific meta where they're allowed to play like it's Perma Widowmaker or something like yeah. that where Guangboon can pop up. Yeah, like mega DPS focus kind of meta because their tank line has just been kind of ass. Um, although they look better with Kalios. But anyway, they're the kind of team that could maybe do something if the meta wildly shifted. With Guangzhou, I've lost, even though they've looked better recently, I've just lost hope. You know, the, the, once you start to get down to that kind of level, it's like, well, even if the meta change and everything went in their direction, I doubt we're seeing some kind of, you know, 
fairy tale run up the brackets. So we're only really talking about New York here. Who's even coaching that team now? Who? Which one of the ten thousand coaches that they cycled through? Who is it? Did they pick up the the one they had last year? Did they, get, did they go um, back? They got Sungwoo. They got Sungwoo. Yeah, okay, he was their ex coach yeah. while they were back. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Interesting. You've just cycled through all. Sparks. You fired too many people. <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, speaking of, I mean, Sparks the team that have just have no coaching staff apparently. So yeah. That's Interestingly as well, <laughs> really and Hangzhou are two of the most uh, transparent teams when it comes to those kind of moves. They just consistently can't find the right people to be able to hire in the first place. Uh, moving outside of the format, though, if we looked towards the 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 playoff uh, portion, outside of the play-ins, the actual playoffs, so the stuff that we all just discussed, the third through ninth in North America and the fourth through six, wait, third through fifth in in the East... Those are, those are not happening at a venue. Those are happening online in their own regions. And then the teams that qualify go through to Arlington, to, to Dallas, basically. And they're going to be playing, I assume, across four days. Thursday, yeah. Friday, Saturday, Sunday are the only days that are listed here. That's, that's a short period of time to run a full eight-team double elim bracket. That's going to be rapid. There's almost no time to be able to adjust to your opponents and... and uh, yeah, like learn anything from your losses, it feels. That's, yeah, that's 14 matches in four days. So wow. essentially four matches the first two days, and then maybe like three and three or something. I don't know how it adds up, but it's going to be a lot of matches. A yeah. lot. Does that well, not strike I mean, anyone else as kind of crazy? I mean, it is crazy, right? But I mean, at this point, when we talk about, it's just like, I hate having the argument. It's like, well, playoffs should be longer. It's like, well, our season's really fucking short. So what do you want to do? Like, we just like, there's just no time, right? We just haven't, we don't have enough time to like do everything this year. You know, we only had six months to do everything. So I, I feel like, yeah, I'd like it to be longer, right? But where do we take that time from? From this the year? end of the season? Push it yeah. back? Yeah, I guess you could push it back. But then also that was not the plan, right? The plan no. was not to do that. Like, yeah, obviously no. the, the ideal solution is to put, make it longer. But since it is not longer, like... There's just no way to deal with it, you know? Like, I don't think there's any room for this to come out of. So, I agree. Should be longer. Think it should be longer. But what are we going to do? Yeah, what also, are we going to do here? Yeah, exactly. Like, what are you going to do? Like, your, your options are essentially to, like, extend the days that you play um, in Arlington, Texas. But at that point, it's like, hey, fans, would you want to come to Arlington Stadium for five or six consecutive days? And fans are like, probably, no. I, yeah. I don't. I don't want to buy tickets for six days, and then you're like, okay, well, are we gonna get two quote unquote home stands? And then it's like that you gotta deal with all of that bullshit. I don't blame Overwatch League for not organizing two home stands and like breaking up the playoffs into part one and part two. And it's like, are we gonna have some of it online? Well, we had our entire season online. It's like it's difficult, right? I'm yeah. more worried about the co competitive integrity of you know, like for the teams to be able to readjust that quickly for all those matches they have to play. I mean, if you go through the winner bracket, I'm just looking at the bracket here. You still have to play um, three matches, right? Because you have to play the quarterfinals, semifinals, and the winners' finals, and then you qualify yeah. for the grand finals. And say if you go out in the loser bracket in the first round, you have to play one, two, three, four, five matches in four days. So like that doesn't feel fair to an extent. It's like I get it, but it doesn't feel completely fair to the teams that have to play so rapidly and adjust so it's quickly. It's going to be grueling. And, you know, you can always make the argument that, like, well, you know, you should be adaptable. You know, you should be able to adjust on the fly. Well, it's like, yes, but also no, because that's not peak Overwatch in forcing teams to adjust that quickly because 
you know, you want teams to perform at the highest level, not have teams decide who's the best when they bo both play like 75, 80% of their max level, you know? So I get it, but it is what it is. It's a bit of a turnaround as well for the uh, teams coming over, especially from APAC. W yeah. Winners of the play-ins, last game of the play-ins, September 4th, something like that. And then playoffs starts September 17th. So you got like, like 13-ish kind of days there. I assume all the teams going to play-ins will have, will be, you know, fast-tracked in some sort of visa process. They're going to have to really get that sorted quickly, wouldn't they? Um, so a turn turnaround as, as far as logistics goes as well. Well, they have yeah. been working on it, right? John, I think he said in a Reddit AMA that they've been working on the visas for Apex teams throughout the season, actually. Yeah. So should the teams need it, they have actually been working on it. I don't know how far they are in that, but... I mean, considering that Pine still hasn't made it to North America, right? Like, obviously, yeah. obviously, like, hopefully it's, like, a good, but... But it I seems think like there's still issues from something that Brad also posted on Reddit as well, though, it, the the GM of um, sorry, the head coach, actually, of the Atlanta rain. Um, they are on a different visa based on. So oh, you need, that's right. You need a P. Apparently, according to him, you need a P1 visa in order to sign to an organization as a player. But then you need a B1 visa to to like move, not move, but temporarily do your job in America. So it's not like you're permanently doing your job in America if you're an APAC team flying over to play a tournament and then leave. So apparently, as long as you already have a, a P1 to play for like a North American org, you then only need a B1 or something. I don't know. It's fucking confusing, but apparently it's not exactly the same process for Pine as it would be for one of the APAC teams coming over. Mm. Yep. So that's... I mean, Brad knows way more than I do, but I also know nothing. So... <laughs> that's part that of it. sounds right though that sounds right mm -hmm. yep <laughs> I, I appreciate right. that now yeah. i'm gonna throw i'm gonna throw a curveball in here before we get on to talk about the grand finals i want to uh i want to give a shout out to our partner for this episode we'll see whether kurt's ready for this one as well our partner for this episode is manscaped as well uh and they they they've been kind enough to send us some of these products as well and we've partnered with them before you can uh, go to manscape.com and save 20% off an order with code platchat um, and you get free shipping as well with that order too i wanted to i wanted to shill out for a moment and show you some of this stuff because can you get can you give us a sh uh, like show it how they work on stream yeah get Brian back in cut yeah. cut his hair some more <laughs> i mean can we get a... that, by the way yeah, I mean, a different haircut yeah, I, it's. Let, let me say this: it's not designed for use on your head. I'm sure that it would. I'm sure it would function fairly similarly. But these are specific, sp specific male grooming products. So, mm. yeah. What did you say? It's a good job. It's Bren. No, no, somebody, somebody needed to tell that to Bren. So yeah. I'm just reading into that, aren't I? I'm just completely reading into that. <laughs> anyway, I, I, will, I will personally vouch. I, I can say from experience: the lower half of your body will be happy. It's yeah. good shit, guys. Exactly. So the, the the reason that they wanted to partner again here is that the Manscaped have released this Manscaped 4.0, the the uh, the lawnmower 4.0. There are two million men worldwide that trust Manscaped to uh, cover their grooming needs in the lower half of their body, and uh, I can definitely vouch. If you are using scissors, you are doing it wrong because the amount of the amount of danger involved with that is it's too high. It's simply too high. Okay, so. <laughs> Listen, ceramic blade, you'll never cut yourself. You won't bleed out in the shower. You can take it in there. It's waterproof. <laughs> Go to town. Go to town. Hey, you, you don't want it absolutely shaved? Sure. Little guard, slot it over the top. Half a bush. Even bigger guard, you only want a slight trim? Oh, yeah, don't worry. Manscaped have got you. Another little guard. And now you've got a full bush, but it looks neat. Mmm. 
Don't, don't know if you're into that, but uh, mm. just, they're just, they're just there to, to kind of give you the options. Give you the options. Yeah. Another thing I liked as well with this one, with this product that they've released, I, I really want to show you this as well, is that they have a wireless charging station. So this, this is a charging station that you plug in, and there's a wireless charging station to just showcase your, your ball trimmer to the world. Mm. So that any... that like 70 years ago, this technology was dreamt of, and now we use it to charge stuff to shave our balls. <laughs> you know, like, can you believe that? Like, that's just crazy. It, it is just incredible, isn't it? It is actually incredible. The, the, the technology that's available, it's, it, it, is, it is insane. Uh, I mean, and they also have great post-shave products, all of that, you know, pre-post, you know, the whole she uh, shebang. So, you are, I mean, treat yourself. Have, have, uh, have you ever... Uh, I don't even know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly the product. <laughs> have you ever, I'm just going to say, have you ever needed ball deodorant? Okay. I know there's people out there who do. And uh, listen, all I'm saying is when you live in Texas and it's 90% humidity, you do. So if you don't need it, you might be in denial. I'm just saying. So that, yeah, we probably that, all need it. That is also very possible. So the, the, um, the Manscaped have engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents and has a multi-function on-off switch so that if, for whatever reason, you wanted to take your ball trimmer on the plane with you, it won't accidentally start vibrating and you get pulled over from a bomb alert. Because that will happen if you have things that vibrate in your bag, as I found out before, with my beard trimmer. So... It has like a, a lock for the on-off switch, which wasn't previously of part of the uh, 3.0. So it, yeah. is a, it is an upgraded product. They haven't just tagged the 4.0 uh, name onto it. Um, so there you go. You can get 20% off and free shipping by using the code PLATCHAT at manscaped.com. And uh, yeah, can personally vouch. Because like I said, if you're using scissors, yeah. you're a fool. Yeah. And, you know, if you find this ad very intrusive, you know, just, just keep in mind that because of this, we can now afford to have Avast on the show for yeah. one more episode. So really? we're doing this for you, audience, really. <laughs> yes, exactly. uh, it's good for us, we're what, doing it for sorry. you as well. I know, that, I know that now I'm just taking the advert to a whole new level, but they also sent, they also sent a weed whacker, which is a nose and ear trimmer. And I now, know that's, that, actually good. that's actually good. People I know that 90% like, of our audience probably won't understand that because they're very young men that haven't developed these, these extended nose hairs that look like they're trying yeah. to take over your mustache. I can grow longer hairs in my nose than I can on my lip. And it's, it's, I've never tried using that before, and it was, it was weirdly magical. I, Beth had to remind me not to remove every single hair inside my nose because you, you need them in order to... I don't know. Block is that is that means you, that's an extra one? Well, sorry. Yeah, no, that's an extra one. Oh, well. I'm no, 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 that's that. different. This is a very different specialist nose trimmer. You would not, you do not want to be using the same trimmer for your balls as for your nose. I can tell you that. Oh no, no, no. I'm just saying, is that an extra one that I could have? Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I'm already, taking I, it. I have already used it, but yeah, you. you... Wait, you used <laughs> that one in the box and put it back in the box? Yeah, I used it and put it back in the box. Yeah, that's because... disgusting. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Moving Do not on. Don't share your Manscaped products no, with anyone. <laughs> no, it's probably not a good idea to share the products. But, you know, if you have spare ones, then give it to a friend or, or buy it for a loved one or whatever. Um, 
Yeah, let's talk. I want to. I want to revisit this topic though, just to talk about the grand finals for a moment, because the grand finals are happening in LA. Does anyone know what this what this stadium is where the grand finals are actually? It's called um, the being Galen, played? right? Yeah, I think so. The Galen, the Galen Stadium Center. or Stadium. The Galen, yeah, Center. Galen Center. That's what it is. I don't know anything about it. Never so, heard of it. So apparently, it's like a. I think it was a UCLA. Um, uh, sports arena, so I think it's where the college team is. It UCLA or is it the other college in LA? Actually, it's for University of Southern California, USC. USC, sorry, that's the for one. USC. Yeah. So it doesn't yeah. look it. It looks to me like it's a little smaller than the enormous stadiums that we've had in the past in New York at the Barclays Center and then Philadelphia at whatever the hell center that was called. Um, oh, they're running CDL there as well. Uh, so yeah, it's. Um, I think it's a little smaller, but it should still have this like big stadium feel, which I think will be awesome for yeah. grand finals. Yeah, and just taking a look at pictures and stuff, like th th there is definitely the potential to make this big. You know, like on some pictures, it looks kind of small, and you're like, well, that's only for like a few hundred. But I think you can actually get people maybe in the thousands in here, not oh, yeah, like I several mean, thousands, but like a couple yeah. maybe. Oh yeah, uh, it, so it'll it'll feel like. One at least some of the biggest homestands we had in 2020. Like at minimum, it'll feel like that. It feels. Oh, there's tons of League of Legends stuff. Oh yeah, the early League of Legends when they had like Sed and stuff performing. Um, ah, I don't think I mean, it's a big surprise cool. that it's like smaller than the other Grand Finals venues. It's probably you know you're expecting maybe more limited capacity with COVID uh, and, and stuff. But and, and also and lack of travel. Th yeah. Th this is probably also because of you know current COVID restrictions. You can't just go out of your way to yeah, yeah. fucking go to Vegas and like hire the T-Mobile Arena or whatever. You know, like uh, there's a lot of restrictions in place. So I'm really happy that we get something that you know it, it you know it's a good stadium. Looks good. Looks good. You know, I'm hyped. Yeah, yeah, it looks pretty good. I I'm excited for the playoffs though. I thought there was um, a strong possibility that we would end up doing the same thing as last year, where we had very separate playoffs and then just met for a final four or a grand finals. And that would feel almost the same as Hawaii, you know? It'd have a very similar vibe to it. This is going to be really different. Like, you're getting intertwined regions throughout the playoffs the entire way through. That's that's awesome because it's not just who's the best at the top. It's who's the best all the way down the pack. I think it's going to be great. Wait, is that yeah, the same center? So. Yeah. Oh, shit, that is big. What is that for? To be fair, that's it's probably not, like one of those flared. That's probably that's probably the flared lens a little bit, giving it a slightly skewed True. perspective, I imagine. But it it looks it looks nice. I'm really happy that we're gonna get. Hmm. I mean, not having playoffs where all the teams in the different regions compete against each other just feels so much worse. Like it just yeah. feels like essentially you're you've wait you you've been watching two separate leagues the whole year and you don't even get to know like anything about like where they stand against each other. It's so much better to have. The combined yeah. playoffs. My, my expectation was that maybe we could get a live land grand finals and that would be it. And even then, I was like, well, that's, you know, an improvement upon Hawaii. And Hawaii's been okay. It's been pretty good. But like, yeah, like Avar said, if we if we don't get the, the land playoffs, which is a big deal, a big part of this, I think that's the biggest part of this, um, it would have not been as hype for me. So land playoffs is massive. Now you get to finally see more teams in the East versus the West in one sitting than we've had before and yeah. actually on land. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, the, the news this week around all Blizzard products, though, was marred with uh, some serious, like genuinely extremely serious and, I don't know, what's the word? Just profoundly disappointing news of um, 
California, the state of California filed a discrimination lawsuit against Blizzard, uh, against the whole of Activision Blizzard. Not specific to like the Overwatch portion in any way, but you know, included within that because it was the entire company. Uh, on the basis of, um, I, I can't remember the exact wording, which is probably precise in this kind of instance, but it was essentially a large amount of sexual harassment, a culture of sexual discrimination, and just generally um, women being mistreated and not having the same opportunities to be promoted as the men within the company as well. And some excerpts from this um, from this lawsuit have then been posted to stuff like Bloomberg Law, who I believe broke this news, and then other stuff as well. Uh, we can't quite get the entire um, quote up on here, but it's got similarly horrible um, uh, allegations in here uh, of stuff like the cube crawling, of where people are drinking alcohol whilst making inappropriate comments and behavior towards female employees. Then there's stuff from individuals as well, uh, explaining how they were kept back, how, um, how they were mistreated. There's uh, one, uh, one woman who was an employee that took her own life while on, um, while on a, a work trip, and they later found out that the guy was um, had like, what was it? Had like butt plugs and lube in his bag or yeah. something, and they'd yeah. been passing around nude photos of her as well. So they believe that that contributed. Just, just large amounts of evidence that there's a thoroughly horrible... Um, work environment at play within Activision Blizzard for female employees, which is, uh, it, it seems like it's throughout the entire gaming um, or game development ecosystem because Riot's had similar kind of allegations, although it doesn't even seem as intense. It feels like these ones are especially bad for Blizzard. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's not only about... The lawsuit to be honest like there's also been an incredible outpouring of similar stories shared on social media where it's reddit or twitter from uh former employees who shared their own experiences um you know there were replies to some of the statements and just like i mean it, it just goes on and on and it's shocking um yeah. to hear about all of this at once um because it, it just like in the amount like there's so many stories and then there's the massive lawsuit um you yeah. know who really who really like not introduced but like you know kick-started the, en the entire wave of just like stories shared from within the company so um very disheartening i mean i i don't work directly for blizzard but obviously i work for them indirectly through you know the overwatch league i'm a contractor for the overwatch league but it's like so disheartening um as someone who spent a fan of Blizzard Entertainment for so long. I mean, I started playing WoW when I was like 10 years old and I just like fell in love with the game. It's been part of like, before I was a teenager, it's just like World of Warcraft all the way. Like my teenage years, I like every BlizzCon was the shit for me. And like every World of Warcraft panel and some of the people working there now, um, you know, like Alex Afrasiabi, I don't know what is. I don't know what its actual last name is. I think it's something like that. Yeah. Like, I used to look up to that guy. That guy was the fucking shit. You know, he was funny on the panels. He had charisma and all that. And then you hear these horrible stories about, um, you know, they, they called him like... Bill yeah, they Cosby called his hotel company. room the Cosby Suite because it Unreal. was just a well-known fact within Blizzard, apparently, that he would harass women and, and try and lure them back to his room, which, I mean, yeah. that is just... 
And, and there were, uh, it, it alleges within the lawsuit that there were attempts to try and um, make that known and like push through the HR channels. And it was just, it just petered out. It didn't go anywhere yeah. because people so, in charge didn't want to do anything about it. Yeah. And that that's so disheartening when you find out that some of the people who like you grew up with and looked up to for so long, just like turns out to be pieces of shit and so selfish to not, you know, take these complaints seriously and not be able to treat other humans. Um, Welcome to the like last 10 way. years. So, of, yeah, I mean, uh, there, there's multiple examples of this. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just only here, but it's like, you know, Bill Cosby himself. Um, sure. And, you know, there, there's countless of those people who then in, uh, you know, Hollywood, for example. I mean, there was a uh, Harvey Weinstein thing, you know, a couple of years ago and how massive that was. So, like, it, you know, it applies to all kinds of entertainment areas and uh, leadership in so many ways. But for someone who, like, fell in love with video games and like World of Warcraft and the world and everything around it. Like this was supposed to be it. And what was so like hit me so hard was when so many of these people who came out with stories was like, we worked at Blizzard Entertainment because we love this company and we love their video games. And this was like the place. And if you think back like five, 10 years ago, Blizzard Entertainment really was like the game developer, you know? Like that was some deluxe, you know, top of the list. Like if you had worked at Blizzard, that was the shit. And so like so many of these people, it, it really felt like Blizzard Entertainment was the place to be. And then you get there and now there's all these stories going around about how women were harassed, you know, put down, told to stay in their lane, uh, not taken seriously, uh, harassed um, in so many ways. So like it, it just it, it was very tough last week to just hear about this. Um, and actually, I, w I went to. Um, a party. It was not the Mari party thing where where Brand came into the finals. Right. I'm still salty about that. But it was a different party. And someone genuinely asked me, like a friend of mine, he was like, "How do you feel working for Blizzard Entertainment now? Like when you know that this is the stuff that goes on?" And it's a good question because, like, at the same time, you know, you know, you're taking a paycheck from them. But I've worked with Overwatch now for like five years. Like Overwatch is my life, you know. And if you're a talent. Who maybe can work on tons of different games you know like we know a couple of people who they can bounce around like five six different games because they're so amazing at what they do like i'm all in on overwatch you know so it, it really made me reflect on like how to how to approach this situation as someone who really cares about blizzard and really cares about overwatch and really for me when i heard this it was about almost like doubling down on making Overwatch like the leading franchise and the world that could inspire some kind of change. Because, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but when the Overwatch trailer came out and it was like, you know, the world needs more heroes and shit. Like, I really bought into that. Like, I kind of I was like, this is cool. You know, like, this is the franchise. They've got the sickest lore. I love this. Compared to like some of the other esports, like their lore is dog shit. I'm sorry. Overwatch was like the coolest thing. Uh, because I really bought into this thing about, you know, like, the world needs more heroes, like, everyone can, you know, stand up and fight for, like, what's decent in the world, there's tons of diversity, um, you know, um, all these efforts going on, so... Quite an um, ironic message, given the lawsuit exactly, allegations. Exactly, but I bought into that, and so when I sit, you know, and talk about, you know, the Blizzard announcements, and it's like, yeah, we've got PV now, mobile games, all this stuff... I've said this multiple times, like, I, I really just want the Overwatch world to be successful, right? Because I believe there's so much 
potential in this world like if it really becomes like a triple a kind of game overwatch and you know like tons of people play pv pvp like i don't care like i just want the message to come across that like the overwatch franchise and world can inspire so much change in the world so uh that that's sort of what i've been reflecting on and like how can i contribute to make to like purvey this message message and like enforce that kind of change in the world and for people to look up to that so yes it would be incredibly hypocritical like if, if overwatch becomes massive and like the, the culture is still shit but i still think this is a great wake-up call for the company yeah. and you know people were disappointed in the statements uh, uh, it's not over like it's not it's not over okay like we yeah. saw uh, today even there was that letter that came out they reported about the letter which had like thousands of uh, blizzard employees sign over it was like this this statement does not reflect the opinion of the employees at all and we're disappointed in the leadership here which i mean i i completely agree with as someone who you know works for the yeah. overwatch league i was disappointed in the statements that came out the two uh, from the leadership so yeah, i mean the statements were um, saying like this is why companies move away from california you're unaccountable yeah like bureaucrats unbelievable and it's like you're on the offensive really yeah. you're on the offensive are you yeah so um anyway I, I, i'm ranting here but to me i mean this has been a big wake-up call for the company and i hope they get their you know stuff together to promote a healthy workplace um but it's been a big wake-up call for me too to be just be like even though i work you know indirectly for blizzard here i can also be better about you know providing opportunities for minorities like helping women because i i am you know, we're all in a position of power here to an extent. You know, we we got a we got a platchat channel. You know, like tens of thousands of views. So like, we have our own personal twitters and all that stuff. So it's it's been a big wake up call for me as well to just like what we can do better in the world. Um, and I got some stuff planned that I I really want to go through with. But um, anyway, to finish around, very disappointing. Um, but uh, I I personally look forward to um providing more opportunities and try to help um, as best I can. It, it's been a rough week. Yeah, I mean, the, the it's positive... a really important moment. Yeah. I Sorry, mean, go on, go on. Over. I'll, just, I'll just say one thing real quick here, but it's just like, I think like, just to end with what Johnny said, it's just like a really important moment for the industry, the entire entertainment industry, it extends beyond gaming. Um, you know, and Blizzard have probably had this coming for a while. I mean, you've got uh, reports and accusations that supposedly date as far back as like 2005 right so there's a lot of a lot of old stuff that's been buried down that's surfacing now and this is the biggest wake-up call possible especially for executive leadership who you know especially based on their statement they they're the ones that really need a bit of a wake-up call here as well um and i i don't expect that this all like it won't be the end of blizzard and i hope it wouldn't be the end of blizzard i say that because i want to see an opportunity for you know the company to take this as a massive opportunity to bounce back and do better uh the, the wake up call to actually wake up and do the right thing and do what's required and make the change necessary to you know bring the company back to hopefully anywhere close to where it has been because like johnny i mean like i got a lot of history in blizzard one of my i think one of the first games i ever played as a kid was like starcraft brood war that's what i grew up with so i mean there's a lot of personal conflicting feelings here for me as well it's been a tough week for sure especially reading the personal accounts of um people that have been in the company that's that that is really to me what has been the biggest driving force and um yeah what's uh been the most shocking part for sure 
I, there's also a huge disconnect that appears, like we've talked about, between leadership and the employees of Blizzard. Like, there appears to be a gigantic leadership disconnect between where people currently feel with the boots on the ground. We're saying, like, we're, we don't approve of this and we're not going to work on these products until we see something moving forward. And then we have someone putting that statement out saying, this is why businesses leave California is yeah. because... Because they we're not allowed to, to sexually harass because people. Because we're not allowed to sexually harass people to the point of suicide. <laughs> like, no. I fa- in fact, I would go as far to say that anyone that was even in charge of putting that letter together should just be out of that company. Should like you don't want them. I would not want them in charge of anything ever that's even related to, especially stuff that's going to be going out to kids and like young kids that have to learn their own like, like how are they supposed to like be a well-rounded adult and function in society if the media they consume is handled by people that think that if you're pursuing a sexual harassment case, this is just big government stepping on their toes, you know? They should be gone. They should just be straight up gone. Like, fuck those guys. Like, get them out of there, like, immediately. Yeah. That's my opinion on it. It's, it's always weird when these kind of situations crop up because the company wants to um, not apologize because they're going to fight it in a court, but then the best thing to do is always to acknowledge the problem so they get stuck in this horrible scenario where they are just denying the facts and just backing themselves into a corner of but you can still like acknowledge shit. that there's like an issue right but this is the opposite they literally said like yeah that not only is this false this is why businesses leave yeah. and you guys are unaccountable bureaucrats it's absurd you know? isn't it it's that, absurd. that is way different than a company putting out a pr speak and being like yeah. We hear the voices and we're going to see what we can do and go, you know, just like some very bland, like, yeah, they didn't even try talk. They, they didn't, didn't even try. try. They just went full scorched earth. Like, no, it's actually the SJWs ruining California or something. It didn't sound apologetic, did it? It was extremely not apologetic or even acknowledging the reality of the situation. The only good thing to take away from this is that, I mean, Avril, a little bit to your point as well of like going back to going back to good old Blizzard. I'm not, I mean, I, it seems like the allegations inside the lawsuit would suggest that there probably was no good old blizzard, that it's been happening within this corporate culture for, (laughs) for decades at this point. And that probably means as well that the only good thing to come out of all of this is that it's being aired, that people now know what they're getting into with it and they can or are being forced to shift that corporate culture as well to, to go away from that. And I, I mean, it can't just be leadership, right? Because your leadership can't create a corporate culture uh, against the wishes of all of its um, participants. It still needs some buy-in from uh, at least a bunch of the people who are just working there from boots on the ground. Obviously, not everybody, but it's got to be some portion of the the employees that are partaking in this behavior as well that are enforcing it. I I know from my point... Well, I mean, there's a couple of reasons why I don't feel um, like... I'm in a position to comment on this properly at all is that I'm not an employee of Blizzard. We, even though we work and get a paycheck from them, we are never in the like cubicles, you know, I literally never done that. Turn up, do work, turn up, do work, leave. So we're never in the same environment as these people whatsoever. We're working on a side project. So I have no idea what the culture is like inside Blizzard entertainment, not a clue. Um, But just, and I've never worked in a proper job before. I've never worked in a job outside of esports. So I've no idea what normal jobs are like because I assume because the world is filled with uh, with 
sexual harassment and oppression that there is some level of this in a number of different jobs that you could hold. But it's very hard to gauge whether, if you've only had one experience, whether it's like way worse in yours compared to normal. But the, I mean, just from like interacting with some people involved in esports, I know there's been like people in leadership positions that I've worked with in esports that I've thought were pieces of shit. But trying to say that to them or say that to someone else is very difficult when you are three layers below them in terms of like they're writing your paycheck and everything. That's a, that's a very difficult thing to be able to do, especially if you don't trust the processes behind the company. Um, You're scared you, for your job, right? Like, well, yeah, it's and it's not, ju not just your job, but also just retaliation as well, or just the feel that it's pointless because they got into that position of power, or perhaps that you just don't understand. I don't know. It's it's uh, it's difficult to fight against this stuff, but it's made me reflect on the necessity of doing so, especially when you do have a voice like that. Um, which is why it's so important as well that the government, the state government of California stepping in and taking the case because then it's no longer on the backs of individuals to do this. It's very hard for individuals to make a change, especially within a system that they're participating in, like their, their livelihood depends on it. You need an outside source. You need someone with the authority to take care of this and make changes happen. And yeah. it's why it's so vile that the leadership is going to be like, these guys are just the big, they're just here to ruin our fun and they're just meanies. And like, because they know that the people under them, they control them. It's really hard for them to make change. The only one that can force them out and like get is a state government or like a federal government, which is why yeah. that, that response is so ridiculous. And, and that's why the, the letter from the employees today, uh, work on Monday was such a, a breath of fresh air in regards to that because there's still, Tons of people who work for Blizzard, who, despite their experiences, like really just want Blizzard to be successful. Like they want it to be a fantastic workplace um, where stories like this don't, um, you know, pop up um, and, and affect like the reputation of their workplace. Um, and so, I, I mean, I, I, I think we all agree, but I think you know, we'd want them to internalize this and, you know, address the employees and speak to them in a matter, restructure the workplace, make sure that people are comfortable and, you know, take action against these, uh, wait, does that make sense? Take action against these allegations? Like, what you know what I'm saying? Like, they yeah, should yeah, properly yeah. address them internally to, like, make sure that we actually grow and improve um, as a company. I say we, but again, I don't work there um, <laughs> directly. Um, because like we could come out so much stronger than this. Like, get your stuff together. Like, we can take this experience with us and really grow and be uh, like a, a leader in many ways to like show that like this is what's possible within gaming. Because I still feel like that's title for the grabs. Like, you know, a gaming development company can like really show what it means to um, support women in that regard, support minorities, and become this. Um, like be a trendsetter in many ways for uh, what a workplace should look like. Yeah. I mean, the title, look, the title like. is up for grabs because game dev, game dev companies have been so shit at it for forever. I mean, yeah, that's what I mean. Every game it's dev like, company has had issues like this that have been just baked up, you know? into <laughs> like, it. Yeah, it yeah. really is. I mean, we're saying this is a wake-up call, but fuck me, ten, like 10, five years ago was a wake-up call. This is late, you know? And I know that some of these things happened years and years ago, but like, Christ almighty, 
the the writing was on the wall like ages ago for this kind of shit that was it was profoundly i mean it's always been unacceptable but it was well known that you were going to get called out for this behavior being unacceptable mm. even even 10 years ago so it, it is thank you to the people who share their stories I, I want to yes I gotta, absolutely i want to clarify one thing as well because like the whole like good old blizzard thing yeah I that like does sound like some real hard co-pm like even some naivety in there but i think what i really meant by that is like the the idea of this company that you could up look up to because i think blizzard in right. its prime and even even the, the like, as i even said previously you, there's accusations allegations that go as far back as like 2005 maybe even earlier than that so it's been happening for a long ass time right but there was the idea that blizzard at least back then was a company you could look up to and you could you know um feel good about it. and in terms of being an industry leader in terms of being that kind of company that johnny's even talking about i think that's maybe the goal or idea that you know a blizzard could reach towards and maybe that's that is shooting for the stars now especially with everything that's happened recently but that's the direction any company should be moving towards to try and fix yeah. these issues yeah I, I think people get what you mean when you say that because like 10 years ago when blizzard was at its like peak in terms of popularity like you, you were a proud blizzard fan and you love talking yeah. to other blizzard fans about the games the culture you know cosplaying the lore like it, it was a really fun might not be the right word but it was like a, a, a nice community to be part of and to hear that like the stories inside doesn't reflect that yeah. brand properly and the community outside communities is is disappointing yeah okay let's let's move on to our next segment which is entirely frivolous compared to what we were just talking about we're gonna launch into a skin review we're taking a look at the Overwatch Summer Games. I mean, it could not go from more serious to more frivolous if we tried. But, you know, they're, they're, that's, that's this podcast, really, isn't it? Um, yeah. The Summer Games. Sigma has a six-pack. He's looking ripped out here. I, that is... People have been Googling at a much higher rate how old is Sigma because of this. I mean, look at his hair. He's got like full white hair. So he does look kind of like he looks like a really jacked grandpa. Yeah, yeah. he does. He's like he's grandpa. Like that one grandpa that, that there's a video of like I think it's like a, a guy in China and he's like seventy. Oh, years I've seen old. that. I've seen and that. He, yeah. yeah, and he looks like he's like forty or something. He's like the first he, bodybuilder in China or something. Yeah, and he's ridiculously jacked. Is that that's what Sigma kind of reminds me of? You know, it's like that. It's like a Master Roshi vibe. People are losing it over the Ash skin as well, which I don't really get. I don't think it's a great skin, but people are losing their minds because she's got uh, some beach gear on, I guess. What do you think about this Symmetra skin? What's my design? It's a cool design. I hate the concept of... I love the May one, actually. The May one is great. Like that diner aesthetic, I think is really cool. Yeah. I do yeah. love that one a lot. I, I think the Symmetra one's weird because I feel like dressing someone up as a fish, but it's like... They just have a tail, you know, like it's just like it's just kind of strange. Yeah. But overall it was pretty good. What is what is this? Oh, Ooh, it's the good. referee Arissa. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's a good one. Yep. Come on, uh, ref. That I one's like cool. That one. I actually like yeah. that because she's like saying it's literally like a ref. It's like when Arissa's out, it's like no fun allowed. <laughs> no fun allowed. <laughs> yeah. It's literally a ref. Yeah. Arissa's skin I like. I actually like the epic skins more than like the legendary ones. So like the Farah is an epic skin. I like this one. I think it's cool. I like the gradient. Winston skin I like um, more so than the legend legendaries actually. So now, am I going crazy here, or they never used to have like full, um, like almost? It's almost like this has a narrative to it. This skin video did they did they do stuff like this before? Am I just? 
It Am feels just, a little bit more themed. It does, doesn't it? Like, it sure. feels like a fully fleshed out video that they're producing for this. Whereas in the past, I thought they just had, like, they just showed off the skin and that was it. They didn't have them all, like, interacting with each other. I mean, look how many skins there. There's so many skins in this particular line and theme now that I think they can have it a bit more fleshed out. It'd be different if there's only, like, three or four skins. Right, right. Um, but now, it, and just by the way, you can see the Torb on the right there. The Torb one is still, I think, the best of this entire line. I think most people could agree on that. By the way, I think Bren was supposed to do that Torb bikini cosplay, yeah. true. and he That's never true. has. And if I don't know if he's up the <laughs> stairs or whatever, but Bren, you were supposed to do the Torb bikini cosplay at 5,000 retweets. That happened three years ago. So <laughs> at him on Twitter right now, at Brencast, where is the Torb bikini cosplay? Um, the shells. What yeah, else? Yeah, what, what's your seats. favorite skin? What's your favorite skin, Jonathan? Give me your thoughts. It's not so much about the skin I like. It's more about the ones I dislike. I don't get the Sigma skin. I really don't. You don't get the I Sigma get skin? What is it okay, about I get it. Okay, get it. He, he has a six-pack, you know? Okay, well, it's he's not that. Like it's like he's... he's wearing, like, scuba gear and stuff. Pause it know? right there. Sorry, okay. pause it right there. He, the he's got though. the most suave look on his face. Oh. Look at his eyes. He's smoldering. He's smoldering. He's smoking <laughs> he's, hot. He's Derek Zoolander over here. He's doing the he Derelict. Is. He really is. That's no. blue steel. That is blue steel. It's it's overacting. It's overacting. It doesn't feel genuine. Okay. This... The, the, the scuba gear is the Overwatch equivalent, oh. like propeller hats. Like, come on, bro. It's not. It's not. What do you mean it's cool. the Overwatch equivalent of propeller hats? <laughs> like, it I don't understand cool. how it's comparable. Like uh. they spin and things, and they're like very colorful, and you know, like no, like just because you have spinning shoulder pads with like I don't know what they are. It doesn't look cool. I'm sorry. I'm going to piss your parents to give you a mobile when you were a kid. I wish I had Sigma, a propeller hat when I grew up. Sigma looks nothing like who I'm about to refer to, but he really gives me this kind of like mature Sean Connery vibe. You know, like this kind of the real suave, all okay. the gentleman kind of thing going on. Just okay. gives me that vibe. Okay. I don't like him, but you know, that's just what I get out of that. All right. Sure, I, I uh, Yeah, I, I just think it's a sick skin. I don't know what else to say. It just looks like... He's a buff grandpa, and I dig that. I think that's really cool. I mean, look, look, I mean, he just, his model looks better. But pause it there. They're balding, grew-looking motherfucker. I mean, he's got a forehead that looks like mine. He just, there's nothing going for him. There's nothing going for him. You saw that bloke walking down the street, you'd feel sorry for him. You see this guy walking I down mean, the street. It's really just the hair Ooh. that really did it. It's the, it's the beard as well. It's the beard and yeah, the yeah, fact that yeah, the whole package. The whole this package. is like the Jeremy of skin lines. The, the Jeremy of it skin is. lines. Yeah. It is. You are yeah. the Sigma to Jeremy's to Jeremy's this skin, whatever this is. Yep, exactly. So yeah, that sounds about right. This is Jeremy, and you're the right. previous one that was molding. Yep. Oh no wonder no wonder Florita was into him. <laughs> Oh, Any other thoughts God. on the skins, Avril? Avast, incredibly serious topic before we move on. I like the uh, diner one. The Torb one is still the best. It's an oldie, but a goodie. All right. Soldiers would say? be the best if he actually had an emote that could, where he could, because he, he doesn't have the emote yet where he can actually physically place a stake on the grill. You know? Mm. If he had that emote, if he was ever physically able to bee boomer out and like pop a beer and like put a stake on the grill, it would be the best skin. But he can't do that. So it mm. doesn't matter. The diner one to me is, is better. Yeah. I, 
Sorry, Dude, I was gonna shift back to the Sigma skin if you want no, to go on. on this one. I mean, go, go I was for gonna it. say that I, I have gained just a point of respect for the Sigma skin because Sigma does look like Tommy Flanagan, the actor. Who's so, Tommy Flanagan? I, they, they look kind of similar, and he, he's a bit of a Chad. So, okay, Sigma is Tommy Flanagan. Tommy Flanagan. I, uh, what does he play? What, 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 give me a cultural he touchstone. He was in uh, here. Gladiator. He was in Braveheart. Was Gla uh, Sons of Anarchy. Uh, really? We could, maybe we could do a quick Google search, get Tommy Flanagan up. Uh, but yeah. they look kind of similar. They do. We're about to pull someone up that looks nothing like Sigma. I can guarantee. No, it. of course he does. Oh, oh, the guy it with the Glasgow smile—the guy that's got the genuine like Glasgow. Wait, is that the same guy? I think it is, isn't it? Uh, yeah, got... he does. He does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His, his, hair's not as, his hair is not as white. Oh, there we go. There, no, there. I actually, I see so? what you mean. I see what you mean. Yeah, so bonus points for Sigma, actually. Astronomy. Yeah. I'm Flanagan, so Chad. No, he, I mean, that's, that's a guy that could definitely give you the, the, the blue steel look, for sure. Yeah, and I, I exactly see where you're coming from as well. All right, I appreciate that. They also released a new deathmatch map, which had, I think it was Dante tweeting, uh, yeah, Overwatch is saved, a new deathmatch map, hallelujah, it's what everyone was waiting for. Um, yeah, we're still in a drought. Uh, Malavento, though, looking kind of cool. What do you guys think? I haven't think? seen the map. <laughs> You haven't done, seen yeah, I don't the really map. know much about it. No, what's what I've, only seen was the pre I've only seen the preview image of it, pretty much. Oh, my it was kind of bird in news. I mean, the previous yeah. deathmatch map that they made, the last one was Kanaz Kanazaka? Kanazaka. Yeah, and, and I only yeah. just played Kanazaka like two days ago, the first time, and that map's been out for a while, so I'm, I'm far behind. Now I'm very that, far behind. That is a gorgeous map. That is a really, like, good-looking map. It has really cute stuff inside of it, a lot of... Like fun little Easter eggs, a cat cafe. You can we see had a whole challenge in the for, for the Overwatch League. There was mm. like the the challenge, the Kanazaka Deathmatch Challenge, which was yep. actually like a cool little thing. So. Yeah. Uh, can we can we bring up Malavento for the people to to see? Kurt? Everything I'm looking the... up saying that they is saying that they pulled the map. Wait, really? Yeah. Are we behind? I'll scrap the, the segment. Are we behind the curve here? Like this was three <laughs> days ago. Oh. Did they decide not to release it? What the? So we're not getting the Malavento Overwatch League event then. Okay. Oh, was it? What, was it this, well, wasn't it a leak anyways, and not a conf It wasn't like them sharing yeah, the map, right? Wasn't it, it was a leak? A leak. Yeah. Ah. So it was. It was not like an official like thing. They just said like, "Oh, Malavento could be coming." Like we found this in a leak, and like no, no, at no point was Blizzard ever like. Alavento, here it is. <laughs> like, I, we've essentially just been working off of like. Info so what was it? Data mined or something? I I missed this. Um, I mean, it pretty much what I see. I think the story behind it was. Um, oh, so it's on PTR. Yeah, that's well, what it was this supposed to be says. going to PTR. It was supposed to go into PTR on July twenty second, but uh, it hasn't happened yet. But this is speaking no, in past says, tense. July second ago. Adding the Malavento. I don't know. Okay. This is oh, yeah. from a deleted article that has been archived on an archive website. What the? What <laughs> is going on here? There's some mass conspiracy happening with this deathmatch map. Okay, we're lost in the source. I don't know what's going on anymore. I mean, the map looks. Uh, I mean, it looks beautiful. I, I like anything Italy themed. Italy has phenomenal architecture. I mean, it hasn't. One hundred percent has not released because it would be on the Overwatch competitive subreddit by now, and I have not seen anything about it other than the leak. 
Mm. Oh, I'm pretty sure it was on the competitive Overwatch subreddit. I thought the leak was. Yeah, that's oh, why I got leak. this link. It was from the yeah. leak. Mm. It was oh. the leak. So maybe they maybe they had that article ready to drop, and then um, they then they put then the, the they deleted the article because it didn't drop. The lawsuit has changed their timeline for stuff. Is what some people are theorizing. Obviously, okay. who knows like what the exact reason is? I mean, it's just does Overwatch do they really need an excuse to not put content in Overwatch? I mean, like let's be honest, like they, it's not like they've just been slamming in content into the game all the time. You know, <laughs> so who knows? Yeah, like, who knows, yeah, really? yeah, <laughs> yeah. They just they never have a day off. They're just every day adding yeah. new content. Every day, Overwatch. just so much new content. Like so, guys, <laughs> it's just a shame that this. One, all right, I mean, well, it's just one. Yeah, fuck it, take this lower third and save it for another episode because it's coming back at some point probably. I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe... It'll, it'll probably come back. Okay. A new deathmatch map has been added to the Overwatch PTR server. No official notice of the update. Being oh, given so to it the is on the PTR. Okay. So, but so this was July twenty fourth, though. Yes. So, but that was so it, did, it definitely came out. It was supposed to come out July twenty second, according to the leak, and it came out July twenty fourth. Yeah, which was like the day after. But only on PTR. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, that no is. Notice. Yeah, that, that is that is bizarre. Strange. But, but Strange. yeah, bizarre. I haven't but, gotten a chance to see the map. I was out of town, so I haven't a chance to really deal with this um, and look at this. I mean, death map maps are cool, but it's like very much. I'm always down for new stuff, but once again, it's not the content that I'm always looking for. You know, mm. I don't. I like it's cool, better than nothing, but yeah. Okay. You know, uh, well. On to some other uh, sad news within the Tier 2 scene, actually. Um, American Tornado, the team that has been dominating the North American contenders scene for the last year, pretty much. It's been almost exactly a year. Um, has disbanded. This was also the team, famously, that made fun on Twitter of Runaway disbanding. So uh, that, uh, I'm sure, got them a lot of uh, love afterwards. But this, this is like a team that was chalked to the brim full of a very young tier two talent that all looked like they were going to, they, they looked like the fresh crop of Overwatch League players from North America that would be into the Overwatch League as soon as they became eligible. And they've disbanded, I believe, because four of them are going to college. And so they're going to be playing in collegiate instead of playing together in contenders. Can I just say, I think the collegiate program is like really good. I think it's a good move. If you're a young player, Especially some of these guys, so like sixteen, it's going to be a long time before they're of age anyway. That, uh, it's almost like a, it's yeah, a, sorry. Better, a better pathway to go collegiate. Sorry, Avril, I shouldn't have interrupted you there, but uh, Kurt just pulled up the tweet and it just reminded me how ridiculous that tweet was. Runaways like the most beloved, um, the the most beloved team worldwide, and they they go for a mockery of them with runner what runner who runner whomst. And then congratulate themselves for being the most durable and bestest team in Tier yeah, Two worldwide. It's been a is, weird tweet. It's they're playing into being the heel, perhaps, but then they disbanded. Like a they're month not even the real later. heel because like dark modes the heel of fucking mm. Tier Two, so they're not even the real heel. It's kind of played into. I it could bit. understand. I could understand if they if it was like, for example, I mean, I don't expect this to happen, but hypothetically, if British Hurricane disbanded, then AT came out with that, I'd be like, all right, I get oh, it. They yeah. have some history, and you know, there's some banter there. There's like no relationship between AT and Runaway at all, so it just seemed a little bit strange. Mm. Yeah. 
Um, sorry, I did interrupt you though. What, what were you saying about the collegiate scene? My apologies. I was saying that um, I think three of them have gone to what is it called? Redbird Esports. Redbird uh, Illinois, Esports. Yeah, Illinois it was State. Hydron, Reiner, and Ultraviolet all went to Redbird. Yeah, yeah. There's like S S nine millimeter and Luke Mina on that team as well, so it looks pretty stacked. Um, I, I'd say that you know for the most part that that's looking like a top tier NA contenders team to me. And you know the other thing I was talking about is I think the there's as far as contenders players go especially if you're young the collegiate route is probably a better way to go anyway because you at least get an education while you're playing so i mean think about juby went from collegiate to uh the houston outlaws like collegiate is by far the best option i've been telling i've been telling players for a long time like when i did that espn like college finals in 2019 i was like just get everyone in collegiate just take all tier two players and put them in collegiate like it's there's no saving there's no saving the path to pro currently in its current state. Like, who knows? Maybe with Overwatch 2. Just go to Collegiate. You get an education. You get a lot of expenses yep. paid for. And just, like, go yeah, what there. What if you're in college, though, I've asked? Well, I mean, if you're going to be a prof if you're gonna be a professional player, then you should you should be prepared also. Like, well, what if you're, you should just, like, take the Collegiate program scholarship to go to college? Then why not? It's yeah. going to be more than you get than playing in contenders. Like, so worst case scenario, you go, to, you go to college and you fail your classes, and now you're back to being a Tier 2 player. At the exact same spot, right? Like, I mean, there's literally no, there's, no, there's like almost no downside, essentially. Any, any playing contenders, unless they have like serious ability to get to Overwatch League, if they're just playing contenders and they don't have a job and they're older than eighteen, like that, like I don't know, man. Like they should just be honestly looking at collegiate for some other option because I'm, I'm all on board with what the Vast is saying here as well. Like, you get yourself an education at the same time as playing if you're trying to play, and either, either option could work out. But give yourself a damn safety net. And you can and you can get picked up still. You can get picked up like the fact because yep. of the current status of tier two. You, like essentially, you can one hundred percent if you're in North America and you're in collegiate, or if you're a European player in North America as part of the collegiate program, you could still get picked up for Overwatch League. And there's a lot of advantages for that, and you actually have some stability playing tier two by itself with like, it, like as long as you still compete within tier two, right under the collegiate program, it's one hundred percent a better option than trying to go it alone. It just is like. There is no other region that you currently can other than like Korea and China sort of right currently. Like you just can't do it, you know, unless you happen to be on British Hurricane or like Boston or Uprising Academy, right? Which is like, if you're part of like one of the two Academy teams left, then like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it, uh, the former British Hurricane squad moving up to the Overwatch League, American Tornado disbanding and Runaway disbanding as well. Those are the three biggest teams in each of the respective regions, or at least the three biggest like rosters and two of the teams that have ended up disappearing. It's uh, a pretty sizable blow. It does feel like Tier 2 is just... I mean, it was on its last breath anyway, but it does feel like it's about to utter the death rasp and disappear. Which, to be fair, we've talked about this before, and I think we ever. I think a lot of people have very ridiculous expectations about tier two, anyways. Like, like if you look at like the CSGO, if you look at CSGO tier two, you have squads that get paid like three to four thousand dollars a month, and they get they have a view, their games get viewed on like FPL or like MDL for like two K viewers, and that's like the expectation that it should be. Yeah. That's ridiculous. <laughs> like the the thing is, like everyone's like, look at all these other thriving tier two scenes. No. There are no thriving tier two scenes. They're all our giant money sink. Like the expectations just need to be like lowered. And we have to also expect that if you want to run a tier two as part of an ecosystem, it will be a bit of a money sink. Like, and that's okay. That's how it kind of works like everywhere, you know? But there should also be some lowering expectations, a little bit of like what players I mean, think they're going to get out of tier two. 
tells you a lot when one of the most successful tier two teams in the history of all tier two where you know your real the only real financial incentive for anyone running a tier two team is maybe you sell off your players to overwatch league and collect those uh you know buyouts right and, and runaway's been at the head of that because they've they've sold so many players over the yeah, course yeah. of their you know in your own esports and if they fold it's just like i mean one of the number one of the top tier tier two teams has folded they they weren't financially stable that says a lot um, and I've been a big proponent for a while that, you know, I think collegiate has been, you know, a, a big part of um, uh, that to me is the future of tier two is collegiate, but beyond that as well, you know, I would love to see tier two just being opened up to to more third party potential, potentially, because like, I don't yeah. know, it's tier two is just in a really rough place. Mm. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. I mean, it, it becomes the whole like uh, ring around the rosy kind of thing where it's like, yeah, we'll offer it to third party. And then the third parties are like, why would we want to show this esports? It doesn't have any viewers or like no notable names, you know? So like, it's a whole thing. But I think we can all agree on that. There's, you know, uh, better ways to go about this. Uh, we'll see what they're cooking up in the lab. But, um, you know, one of the things is honestly, we, we need like, if tier two is to change, we kind of have to stop calling it tier two. This was actually an yeah, opinion that's... that was uh, brought up to me. <laughs> uh, I can't... Re specifically remember oh i should create that person but they were like one of the problems with tier two is that everyone's like uh like almost like pushing it down by just like yes tier two it's like it, it, it's not really great overwatch or whatever it's like that's part of the problem <laughs> like you should yeah. just brand it something else like this is just overwatch but like yeah, obviously it's not the Overwatch League. It's Overwatch not the Overwatch League. It has a name. It can be better. Yeah, it's, you know? it's officially not called Tier 2. It's the community calls it Tier no 2, one, No one's called... I mean, like, yeah, no one's forcing anyone to call it. Dude, gun, like, Blizzard isn't sitting there with a gun to people's heads and call it Tier 2. <laughs> no, call it tier yeah, but you get what I'm saying, right? You, you get what I'm saying, right? I get what you're it's... saying, but that seems like... I mean, I mean, you. I don't even know what you where to begin with that. Should we put people to re-education camps? Like, I don't even know where we should start with like, tier two. I, here's the thing, Johnny. I, I agree in the sense, like, okay, the, the social media manager who manages the contenders, the Path of Pro account should probably not call it tier two. That's where they can fix it. But beyond that, there's no official tier two that they, they call They don't call it tier two. It's called contenders and open dev or whatever else. So yeah, I'm not, really I'm not telling Blizzard. I'm telling, like, the community. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Then I'm I'm the, the community, yeah, the community like... But that's like a hard thing to change as well. Like you gotta tell the whole community, but it, like, but it's hey, all stop about, calling it tier two. It's all about branding, right? Like the World Cup. Even if non no Overwatch League players ever played again in the World Cup, they could farm fucking impressions, viewership from World Cup because the branding of it. If you if you brand something as the Path to Pro and Contenders, every part of your wording there implies that they are worse than the Overwatch League. Even like which Academy is, teams. Yeah, which is a deliberate branding decision by by the Overwatch League, by Blizzard, to do that, because they want to put Overwatch League on a pedestal. Even though we've all known as, as analysts within the scene, there have been many, many times, and there will continue to be many times, where the Contenders teams, some of them, are better than the majority of Overwatch League teams. In fact, the, there could be some instances where the best team in the world is a Contenders team, and there probably have been at various different points in the meta throughout the, uh, throughout the Overwatch League's history. But it's... If you if you brand it as Path to Pro, everyone just assumes, yeah, well, all 10, 20 teams in the Overwatch League are better than everyone in Tier 2. Yeah, it, there's what some they, genuinely what, good play there. What they could do to fix that, though, is to actually have some open tournaments in the offseason. That would immediately yes. fix the problem, because any team then that beats a significant number of Overwatch League teams, boom, people want to watch them. People are fans of them. That's how you get open circuits to thrive. That's why CS, okay. etc. Well, we're not work. in an open circuit, so you cannot do that, because then you well, under, the issue, undermine I mean, the Overwatch League teams. 
So I then mean, you, I you put that you could, on the though. Overwatch League. You could, though. It's just the Overwatch League teams don't want that. Doesn't want to do it. I mean, because like there is no And it makes sense. Demanding. It makes there sense no why they wouldn't. <laughs> well, I mean, does it, though? I mean, does I mean, oh, well, yeah, it does. It does make sense, really. It really does. But the point <laughs> being is that, like, in terms of the overall health of the game, you could argue that it doesn't matter, right? Like, at some point, you also have to argue, we've already made a lot of changes to the format to Overwatch and Overwatch League. Why couldn't we make another format if we feel like it's going to be good, like another format change if we feel like it's going to be good for the overall health of the scene? Yeah, I mean, I'm not I, sure I'm it even does saying. benefit the Overwatch League teams. The Overwatch League teams directly benefit if they get increased viewership for the scene as a whole uh, yeah. because they have revenue split on that kind of stuff. So I, I, I would argue that that would help rather than hinder. Like if you're a Boston Uprising or something like that and you've been shit like in the previous yeah. seasons, you know, before they rebuilt... Or like uh, whoever, you know, your Vancouver Titans at the end of this season. Fuck it. Put your current team, keep them on a contract, put them into a big tournament where they play against contenders teams. Whoever shits on them the hardest, pick them up next year. Like that's, that's the kind of stuff that you could genuinely do in an off-season like that. You, you generate yeah. hype for the people that you're going to then pick up because you're planning to rebuild during the off-season anyway. Any, any organization that owns a bad roster is going to look to make or at least should be looking to make some improvements in the offseason anyway, uh, which an open circuit would help to generate hype and give you good scouting reports for those kind of players. I, I think, uh, I, I, I don't know exactly what the idea is. I mean, we're just spitballing, right? But I think I like those uh, standalone tournaments where you can have like two or three Overwatch League players per team because then you're not directly undermining the Overwatch League teams themselves, which I, we've covered from a business perspective. It doesn't make sense, but you still... You, you still have that influx of our, like Overwatch League caliber players playing like World Cup. on the broadcast, on a, on a stage against other contender players. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. I argue from a business... I just want to add one thing, though. I'd argue from a business perspective, you can't even make the argument anymore that doesn't make sense because that requires such a degree of separation and like viewership like and pedigree that it says like... Oh, like we would never like the NBA would never be associated with the G leagues essentially. Right. Like it's the G leagues because like we have such a huge degree of pedigree. Can we really argue at this point, overwatch in the life cycle of the game that there is that degree when we have Vancouver Titans and Valiant running around? I don't think so. Personally, I, I don't, don't think, think you, so. I don't, I don't think, so. think you can actually pull the wool over people's thing, eyes anymore. Right? Yeah, you can't. And that's not a bad thing, right? It's not bad to say that like the league has shifted and the ecosystem has shifted. We should just incorporate tier two more into it for the overall health of the scene. You kind of have to be essentially have your head up your ass to see like, I will never associate with contenders because this spot is going to be worth $100 million a year from now. No, <laughs> no fucking way. You're delusional. Like just or incorporate it, like just revamp your expectations. And that's perfectly fine. That's a perfectly healthy business expectation to have. I don't know. That, that would mean that you'd have Overwatch League teams in the offseason where they're supposed to not actually play at all, go up against hardcore Tier 2 teams trying to earn their spot in through the Overwatch League, and you'd put pressure on these Overwatch League players to always consistently practice to earn their spot in open tournaments. I, I, I don't like that. And I think if you have upsets there, it's not entirely representative of the Overwatch League well, teams. Well, it depends. I mean, so say, like, a... say like if you put Hangzhou Spark in, in an open tournament in the offseason, and say, like, I don't know, Shy hasn't practiced and, like, his team, you know, they haven't practiced as a team seriously because it's the offseason. And then they lose to, like, I don't know, whatever tier two team. That's People are going to overreact to that. That's going to make Hangzhou Spark look bad for losing to a tier two team. While it doesn't, in my eyes, properly reflect Hangzhou Spark's potential as a roster in the Overwatch League. That's but also, why I kind of don't like it. You, the Overwatch League is quite unique in that it has a long offseason. Most it's of the a huge job. I mean, are we gonna? If I, you could make that argument if we have like a, if we only have like a two to three month off season again, maybe. But if it's gonna do another six month 
four, even four to five month off season or something like there is like what value is added by yeah that, i know? think there should be tournaments but i don't think you should like require the hangzhou spark to sign up for example and just be like yo playing these open tournaments yeah also, I mean, also, thing, we like, could also revamp the scene a little bit more. We don't have to be a fully league system probably should. as much. Yeah, <laughs> I can. I can. I don't know if you guys have paid attention to CDL, but when there's a new Call of Duty game that drops, normally what happens is the game drops, and then there's a bunch of open tournaments, and the actual CDL teams play in those open tournaments with just like amateur teams and everything. So the Dallas Empire would just be there. They're like the World Championship team from the previous year. They'll just be in this tournament with amateur teams and like up and coming teams, and some of these. CDL teams will actually lose in these tournaments. Some of them, a lot of them will actually win because they're good, but some of them might actually lose. But it's just an interesting thing that in CDL, um, the the actual franchise teams and rosters actually play in these open tournaments. COD also games. has an enormous history of running big open events, like massive open events where you've got like a hundred teams all playing in the same bracket, you know? Like that's that was the bread and butter of the COD scene and a lot of console scenes for, for the longest time. So it does, I, I imagine for them that that is normal rather than being anything extraordinary in any sense. Like, the franchise system is more extraordinary for a scene like that. Yeah. Um, I want to move on, though, here, and talk about the, the, the fuck-up that Platchat did last week. The little fucky-wucky, which was banning Lucio, Sigma, Ash, Echo. <laughs> I mean, the commissioner of marbles in absolute shambles. Your system, <laughs> your system produced nonsense, Avast, your system approved produced nonsense. Pool. What are you talking about? Is that a good hero pull? It's what Jonathan Johnny, wanted. I love it. <laughs> How I did Jonathan get about it? I was so impressed with Jonathan and your little X Files video you did. That was the best <laughs> content, man. <laughs> yeah, you were. You had another Nostradamus moment. You you I got away knew. with it again. Can't <laughs> keep getting away with it, right? It's absurd. Right? Jonathan um, actually just decides the bands. You guys think it's random? No, no. Jonathan's already written them down before. He's like, here you go, ban these. People ask me, yeah. how do you decide where the marbles are placed? You know, like their starting positions. <laughs> they were like, they were like, well, but you know, it's not truly random. How did you decide where the marbles are placed? I was like, bro, the game just randomly allocates them a position. It's fucking RNG. It's we just choose which team we hate the most and how they be affected by the bands, and we it's, place the marbles appropriately. It is literally a graphical representation of an RNG, a random number generator. That's all that's it fine. is. That's all it is. Sigma's cool. in the middle. You can't even argue. Sigma's directly in the middle. He's not at the front. He's not at the back. He's literally in the middle. Perfectly placed. So. Perfectly placed. He has all of the velocity from being higher up, higher gravitational potential, <laughs> but he doesn't have the enormous gap to be able to close as the people at the top. He's in the perfect sweet spot. That's it, why he won. It was placed perfectly to avoid the pegs as well. It just like slid across him. Yep. Just I think we should be looking genius. into this for sure. We need to have yep. an investigation about yep. mar marbles. Aren't you the we'll commissioner? Call it marbles. We'll call yeah, it marbles you're the commissioner. Game. I'm the commissioner, but I'm open to change within the system. Oh. Fight the power, guys. Okay. Fight the power. Let's vote. That's a community. I will Were say, these fans good or bad? This was maybe the most intense series of marble races I've ever seen in the history of all marble races. Maybe I just don't watch enough marble races, but well, there's a lot of stakes with this one comparatively. Yeah. There's really yeah, not yeah, as yeah. many stakes with marbles racing. It's a, it's like you're pretty much just like counting and watching paint driver with marbles. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Avril, you weren't on the show before. When you look at, or rather, you weren't on the hero pool draw before. When you look at this met or this hero pool of the the heroes that are not allowed: Lucio, Sigma, Ash, Echo. What is the meta that springs to mind? Or what few compositions do you think are actually going to get playtime? 
literally what Shanghai and Chengdu have already been playing. I think that's going to be prevalent, especially for those two teams. Um, none of these bans really affect them outside. Okay, yeah, well, Echo is maybe a little bit painful because Leave loves to go Echo specifically. Flit is going to go there as well, maybe sometimes. And you'll actually notice something that Chengdu uh, play when they struggle is Leave will often be the guy be like, I, I don't know what's working. This isn't working. Let me just go Echo and that'll fix things. And sometimes that will fix things. So that option is going to be gone for them. Um, but it shouldn't affect those two teams, the top two teams, I think, in APAC currently. Not going to be affected at all. They're, they're loving the bands right now. Shanghai even dropped that tweet as well after your your little video, Johnny, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, yeah, I mean, it'll be so fine much for money. It's unbelievable. I am rich. Wait, what was the, what was the Shanghai <laughs> tweet? It's like, check your PayPal. Uh, oh. I mean, uh, well done on the bands, Johnny. Something like that. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, we, got a, we got APAC money, essentially, from doing yeah. these bands this way. Um, yeah. The Lucio ban really screws NA, but doesn't really change anything in APAC. Sigma, APAC wasn't playing it anyway. Ash was being Ash and Echo were being played a decent amount, I'll be fair. Uh, plenty of hitscan players were playing Ash. Shy is going to get nerfed quite heavily by Echo oh, and Ash yeah. being gone. Yeah. He's going to be having to go hard McCree Tracer now. Those are his only last remaining picks. But um, uh, yeah, aside from Hangzhou, I think the rest of the teams are probably good. Okay, so here's the thing, though. I, I completely agree that we're probably predominantly see the wrecking ball with the tracer and the sombra composition i you can theoretically still play something like a brigitte on a mccree kind of backline to try and deal with some of these flankers you can still play the diva against some of these hitscan heroes like tracer sombra has a tougher time but there are still picks here to make some kind of slower composition work to try and counter the tracer and sombra composition so I, I th that's why I kind of like that. Even though Ash is gone, I don't think we would have seen a ton of play. I don't want to see double shield. I don't want to see fucking slambulance meta with Lucio in it. So now, now we both have two good choices. We can play the Brig slower comp with the McCree, or we can just play dive. We can just go dive with uh, Mercy and Farah, perhaps. Um, you know, you can play dive without the Lucio. So I, 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 I love the zero pool because I think oh. we have some good options here. They're entertaining and fun to watch. This was, I wanted to pose this question to Avast. The, the comp that Shanghai ran towards the end of their finals had Anna Lucio in the back line. It had this, yeah. uh, it was Reaper Sombra, right? It was Reaper Sombra. It was Reaper Sombra, yeah. Winston Diva, and then Anna Lucio was the kind of archetype that they ended on. How do you think that works with a Brig in there? So you don't have the speed to be able to operate. I mean, you've seen teams play. I mean, Shanghai played that. They played that same comp where, like, we've seen teams play Reaper with no Lucio. And they play, like, a very... I think Dynasty did it, too, actually, with Fleta. Where you play, like, a very slow Reaper Fleta? comp. Or not Dynasty. Dynasty yeah. Not Dynasty Fleta. Sorry. <laughs> Just totally with Fitz. I might be totally misremembering if they did it with Fitz. Two F names. But they, Shanghai definitely did with Fleta. Where they played this Brigida comp with it. Yeah, it's right here. Um, and they were able to play a very slow point control presence and like kind of like an anti-dive uh Reaper at times. I don't love it myself. I really don't love it, but they actually did get success on it, so it could be great. Um this area though, of the map is very yeah, this it, area it's very cool. contained, right? It's like the brig is going to get value compared to a Lucio yeah. in bigger open areas. Also, it's really it's also really hard to, for like the wrecking ball to get around this comp because when you don't have a Lucio, right, and you're playing against the wrecking ball, the wrecking ball is a lot more free. Like you're able to set up your engages a lot easier, right? Because you're not you're not running right for a speed boost. There's no speed boost to worry about for your back line. So your all of your flank heroes can run around this whole time while you're playing against this very slow on a Brigida comp. But as soon as that's gone, 
the wrecking ball is a lot more free and your flankers are a lot more free to set up. Um, I mean, we, 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 were in, we were in silly, well, not quite silly territory, but we felt like we were almost there in the, at the end of this where you've got Lee Jae Gon moving over to Zen as well. Oh it did God. definitely feel like this was Shanghai being like, okay, let's try some different shit. We've, we've got to go for our Honestly, alternate approach. This is a good, this is the, that backline strong here because there's like no flanking pressure versus the metal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's really bad versus Chengdu because that's like not something I would really put Chengdu as like masters of is like trying to play a more static comp, right? They yeah. want to be on the ball, yeah. they want to be on the wind stand. Just, and this comp is good versus that. that but I mean, that's what Fleta said in the interview as well afterwards that they knew that Chengdu had a hard time adapting. So they just wanted to like fuck around with comps. And they did so throughout the entire series, you know, and did so effectively. Like great hero swaps from Shanghai. And that's really like perplexed Chengdu. But Chengdu my, are one of the least flexible teams in the league. They legitimately are one of the least flexible teams. They they cannot play things outside of, I think, probably Ball and a little bit of Winston here. Um, I think, you know, there's going to be very map-dependent compositions coming into play. So if we are looking at any sort of open maps, control maps in particular, it's going to be heavily dominated by Ball, Winston, especially Ball. But once we get to maybe certain parts of more closed areas, like Route 66C is a perfect example here, we're going to need to be looking at the possibility of other compositions thriving. Um, and that's maybe when Reapers can come into play. I, I think I still think Reaper without Lucio is pretty painful, but we'll have to see what the matchups look like. Uh, also, yeah. another reason why I like this hero pool is because it's fairly straightforward. It's not absolutely straightforward. Like, you don't know exactly what you're going to run. But for the most part, I hate this dumb bullshit where, like, week one doesn't matter in the Overwatch League because, like, yeah, we got a hero pool. Teams are figuring shit out. They don't, still don't know what they're running. This is irrelevant because they're going to play something else later on in the tournament. Now, with these fans, it feels relatively straightforward. Like, what we see in week one might actually matter down the line. And this is what I appreciate with a pretty straightforward hero pool like this. Like, it feels like the initial couple of weeks, teams will probably know what they're going to play for the rest of the stage. And I think that's important. Eh, yeah, could still yeah. happen, though. Could be some crazy shit. I could yeah, see Torb being pretty good here as well. I could see, see Torb what? actually pretty decent because, Torb. like... Yeah. yeah, because there, because there's you're like sure you don't have Echo to play against, but you're still Torb is still good for harassing like Farah, Genji, Tracer. Uh, you can have it to like kind of shred tanks. You can poke the, build the ham end of it. You know, there's there's definitely a chance for Torb to still get some playtime here too. I agree. As well. I think there could be NA teams that if there's certain teams that really don't want to play dive or they want to try and find a counter comp and they want to play something more static, Arissa, Torb, McCree could be a reasonable choice. This is going to be very map dependent again. Maybe a, maybe a defensive only comp or an escort. You need to have a lot of attacking tempo on the payload itself. But there, I could see teams being a little bit more experimental to see like, okay, do we have to play dive or can we find a counter? And Torb yeah. is probably at the center of that counter. God, it feels horrible to play those comps without a Lucio in most scenarios, though. You know, you and with, I mean. I guess you still have a Symmetra, actually, if you want to be a little more mobile. I, sure. I was kind of wishing that the Sim would be the one that was banned so that we could see uh, that mobility kind of taken out because I, I did enjoy the Sim being played, but I'm I'm done with it. I'm done with it at this point. I don't <laughs> want to see any man. more silly Sim shenanigans. Yeah. It was fun it's for a while, but not forever. It ruined the rotations of the map a little bit. I will admit having uh, limitless TPs makes it so rotations are just non-existent, right? You don't yeah. even have to worry about like rotations anymore. It's all about just stopping, fucking closing the Oblivion Gate. Like that's all <laughs> I'm, about. I'm extremely the okay. Oblivion Gate. God, I love. I'm that. extremely okay with not watching Sim May anymore. Like double Sim Wars, double May Wars, tiny Overwatch. Like, what is my eyes are burning? My retinas are just gone. I'm trying to yeah. watch what the hell is going on on the screen. I'm done with that meta. No more. The best please. Overwatch metas have been when the game is punishing, and you don't get to hide behind bullshit. Hmm. Gotcha, hyper.
<laughs> um, let's I'm move on coffee. to let's move on to talking about the the map pool. I want to I want to look at the map pool here and see how that affects the meta because there have been some shifts. Every stage they change which maps are in the pool. You still have access to all of the control maps. You still have access to all of the assault maps as well because with Paris and Horizon gone, there's only three in the game right now, right? Yeah, I think that's true. Anyway, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be honest, my brain just turned off for a second. I just rebooted. I just had a soft <laughs> reboot. Don't know what you said. So, hybrid and Escort uh, maps have been shifted for the Countdown Cup. I can't remember what maps are in the pool. Jonathan wrote I this. Tell you. I was hoping he'd run us through. Okay. Avril, please. Let's you're have, the, you're uh, the only expert here. Havana, Route 66, Rialto, Blizzard World, Dumbani, Kings Row. All right, let's start with the Escort maps. Havana, Blizzard World, sorry, Havana, Rialto, and... Route. Root. R66. Those are... Those are good Torb maps. Good Torb maps? Yeah, reasonable they could, yeah. Reasonable Arisa maps as well? The reasonable Arisa Torb maps. Both, re, yeah. both Root and Havana. 100%. I think all three. Rialto, think Rialto. Yeah, Rialto. Yeah, and Rialto too. Those are all decent. What would... I've just been hit with a horrible thought. What would happen in this meta if you tried to run pirate ship comps? If you tried to run uh, with this, if you don't have like echo for a large amount of burst damage on the ball engage, would you be able to defend a pirate ship better now that I there's think, no Lucio? I think Farah Hanzo with like a ball could ruin it. Yeah, that really could ruin Sombra, it. Could no, no, no. Sombra plus well, the, one of those. I think the pro. Yeah, I mean, I, Sombra I can can't really Sombra, farm against that. But comp I feel like very Sombra. Well. Yeah, I think Sombra's hard because it's harder to farm, right? But I guess you could just get like a hack engage. It's Early. Yes, I'm not talking about yeah. EMPs necessarily, because what you want to do yeah. in these kind of situations on escorts is, okay, they pirate ship, you let them push into the open, let's say it's Rialto, maybe that's a bad example, but yeah, whatever, Havana, Rialto, they push into the open, you yeah. give them some space to work with, Sombra has a good flanking angle now, you play for one hack engage, ball slams in after a hack onto something like the Bastion, you're good to go. Yeah. Or if they already just hack the BAP every time to deny the lamp, so there's no immortality field, so yeah, that's also another good option. Yeah, just was just a thought. Anytime Havana's in the pool and there's hero pools so that it messes with the meta a little bit, I, I think about the cheesiest shit and wonder whether it's going to be viable. Also, but There's no Sigma for the, I think, the secondary shield, which is really important for... Yeah, mm. uh, yeah, yeah so that's true. It would be a pain in the ass to try and run that comp, actually. All right. Um, this... The, the, when, I, when I see those um, escort maps, what I'm thinking is it's a pity that there's no Gibraltar. Because I think this could have been a really interesting meta to see whether Gibraltar would have gone in the direction of the ball poke comps or the Winston dive comps. I think that would have been a genuine, you know, conversation that teams would have had about which was better. Because it's not like you were running Lucio Anna on Gibraltar if you were running the Winston anyway. You were running Winston Anna Brick. So I, I could see both of those situations being um, pretty viable. Whereas on Havana, Root, and Rialto, I mean, you are not running Winston comps here. It just feels like it's going to be ball central, unless you can get away with just bunkering on the payload. But I think this is just well, going to be ball all the way you know, on the escort maps. Gosh, I think some teams are going to be forced to run Winston because they cannot pick up ball in time. Their, my, my, my initial thought for NA teams in particular is that their pivot is going to have to go towards double bubble as one of the primary compositions, or maybe Winston Diva, just classic dive. Uh, there's, there just might not be enough time for everyone to go towards ball. I think it would be a mistake for everyone to try and go towards ball. Like if you're not, if you haven't already started that, you're better off trying to perfect and, and go towards a Winston okay. Cup than pivot too hard. Okay, the ball. let's tap into some of the copium right here. Who would be the bad balls? Do we think 
Okay, I'm just gonna run through the list, okay? Good what? ball or bad ball? We're not okay. gonna spend 15 minutes here. Gator, <laughs> do we think it can adjust the ball? Yes or no? No uh, idea. I don't think I've I never seen Gator's ball. Is good. I don't think I don't think he's good. I think we've seen bits and pieces and it wasn't amazing. We've seen bits and pieces and it wasn't amazing. Okay. So I, I would personally faith. prefer I think Rain, if they were gonna if they're gonna go dive, they would prefer a traditional dive. Okay. I kind of I, I think Gator could possibly do it. Stand one, probably not. Actually, no. I think Stan no One idea. has played ball. Um, so he's Stan One. Standles played ball and Ryan. Right? He did play ball, and I think it actually looked. I think it looked. The problem with fucking NA ball players is we haven't had a ball meta in NA for so long that what I'm trying to pull from here is like two two maps in like the entire year. Also, but I think we, it looked fairly decent. We agree that there's a difference between like can they play ball and can they play like a really good ball like that, that's yeah, even yeah. not the same thing exactly. But okay, but for a team fair, like Boston, fair, fair I feel enough, like they might just but, go for okay, it. Okay, I'm I'm not going to grant you that. You know, all of Apex' wrecking ball players are just like way better than North American. Oh, ones. they're not. Like they're not. Faith I, and Gaga. I don't think that okay, Faith Gaga and Amon. I surrender. Okay, but you know. Do I want to see Yakpung play ball forever? For <laughs> yeah, she has played a lot of ball. Yeah, that's like been Yakpung's secondary hero this this entire season. I mean, okay. I think that but... Jangu has got a great ball. I mean, I I know that you know Smurf. He was and... what he was known for in contenders yeah? before. Like he he's played a lot of John. He played a lot of ball. Mag. So... Mag. I trust Mag the ball. He played I it. Seen, did it. I mean, I remember. I remember Mag specifically for his Winston. Playing a lot of stuff. I remember. I remember Mag's Winston far more than his ball. Yeah. Sure, but I think Mag. I think Mag could pick it up. Okay. I think he definitely Don, could. Like, Paris I trust Eternal, Mag and Muse. Don, no, Don. I believe Don. I can't. Paris Eternal. I'm on the Paris yeah. Eternal copium though. I'm on the yeah. Paris Eternal copium. But like, yeah, I actually think Paris would be good at ball. So. I think Muse could pick it up. Yes, I've seen Muse play it. Gladiators actually did play some of the ball comp this most like the last week they played, and they looked yeah. they looked relatively competent with it. They weren't amazing, but they looked competent. Dark Horse candidate, Mayhem. No, shut the fuck no, up. Shut the fuck up. Okay, we're not going to talk shut about up. that. Even <laughs> shut Hardy, up. I have more faith in Hardy picking up the wrecking ball. Ella, Ella. Not like a good level. You have not, more no, faith in no, Hardy than no, to play no, OG no, than OG I don't on dive tanks. Don't make the knockouts, okay? I don't think they'll make the knockouts, but he can pick it up. You know, like I don't want to just play the Winston preferably. I know that I know that I'm leaning now towards Avast, despite the fact I just told him to shut up. But yeah, OG's pool's good. OG's best maps might have been on ball. Yeah, exactly. Like they, they showed a lot of propensity. Their ball setup comps were actually not bad before. They just didn't weren't able to finish the. But kills I, off. I still okay. don't believe in mayhem. OG is ranked last on all the wrecking ball players in are the we, IBM Watson Power Ranking. I don't so, give a shit. Are we, I don't that, are, we, are we just saying that Checkmate's not playing or what? I don't think it's Checkmate. I think it would be a huge mistake if Checkmate were to play again. If he does play again, then the, the season's over. Like 100%. the season's like, already oh, yeah. over. It's done. No, no, they could they could have they could win it's all the matches. Done. They could win all it's the matches. Done. <laughs> give it up um, but like i'm just saying that like there there could be some signs of life at least but i don't think checkmate like we saw checkmates uh stuff and it was not good here's, on non I, I here's another question let's get so going on, go on i'm wrapping. sorry my my other part to this it's it's a two-pronged approach because you don't just think about the balls when it comes to north america you have to also think about the zenyatta play in my opinion too yeah because a lot of the north american players have just been hard playing batiste or hard playing anna or something like that like the whole time and um, 
some of these players in North America, I don't even know how good their Zenyatta looks when you're comparing it to the best players in the world, you know? Somebody like Violet, yeah, I think this meta is going to be fantastic for him to be able to get onto that role and play a ton of. Even if the Shock main tanks are not the greatest balls in the world, they're still going to be able to perform that meta really well because they're going to be able to support Violet and have a lot of success with his Zen. For somebody like, uh, like Iris on the Outland Terrain, for example... I, I don't know, really. He's mostly been playing BAP for a lot year, of his he? career. He, put, he played a small amount of Zen, yeah, and it looked but it competent. Bad. But I don't know how good... I don't know what his ceiling looks like because it's such a small sample size. You can't Same take like a few fuel. matches and say you know how someone's going to play a, across a full meta, in my opinion. So th there's big question marks in my... Uh, and Fielder oh as God. well, right? Like oh, Fielder, yeah. Iris. No one knows what Fielder's, like how his Zin's going to really be because we've primarily seen Ana and Bat, yeah, right? Yeah, Repel. And Moira. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, there is Repel too, but like that's that's true. But I mean, ideally, I would like them to just stick with Fielder, right? So. I can't believe, I, I feel I feel like my NA Copium right now, and I'm not saying they're going, they're going to win the Countdown Cup, okay? I think there will be some competent ball teams here uh, with yes. Senora players, is what I'm saying, okay? I'm not saying yes, that they're going yeah. to win the entire thing, but... I do think that there are some competent teams here if they commit to the Wrecking Ball strategy over time. Then we'll actually see some decent Wrecking Ball play come out of the NA region. But I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm such, I'm like, the, the, the competitive Overwatch subreddit, like all of them are also just like, well, you know, APAC doesn't get much love. I feel like I'm, like, I feel like I'm peddling my the equivalent of a vast Pokemon take right now. Like, I feel so unpopular with my NA region copium right now. That it's on par with a vast hate for Pokemon. Well, you can still think NA is going to do well while also acknowledging that APAC is clearly going to be starting ahead, right? Like, even yeah. so, we it's do both? like beyond, beyond Shanghai, beyond Chengdu, there, there are probably some NA teams I'd, I'd probably prefer playing Wrecking Ball over like Hangzhou, Seoul, uh, New York Excelsior to an extent. Like, yeah. Like, beyond those two teams, APAC can't get the entire, like, APAC has incredible wrecking ball play because two teams are phenomenal at it. Yeah. The other oh. team the other team that seems like they've played the most of it... Sorry, Avril. I'm, I'm like... <laughs> the other team that seems like they played the most wrecking ball stuff great. was the Spark. Like, they were hard-forcing wrecking ball comps at the beginning of the summer showdown back when very few people were playing it it was before we'd seen shanghai or chengdu i think actually so spark was like the first team to start playing these wrecking ball comps and i don't think their execution of it was that great they were getting rolled over by soul just speed boosting into their backline every time with a rush comp and and that's the kind of stuff that just didn't fly against chengdu and shanghai so well, e even though spark have been playing a lot of it i think i think there is a bit of a gap between the top two in apac and the next when it comes to those ball comps yeah, what, what I can say to that is I, I think you, interesting to bring a Hangzhou as well because I think this is going to be a team that's going to lead the charge on more Winston gameplay than ball gameplay. I am a firm believer that we're not heading into a heavy ball meta, even though Chengdu and Shanghai are going to be leading the pack and they'll continue playing ball. This entire thing, I've I've people asking me in my chat all the time, like, oh yeah, can this team in NA play ball? Like, what are Dallas going to do and all this kind of stuff? I'm like, ball. I don't think ball is going to be as predominant as possible. I even use the word overrated when it comes to ball compositions. And the right reason I say that is not because I don't think ball compositions are really good. I think they probably are in terms of if you're going to master something, you're going to be absolute, absolute expert on something, ball comps are going to be really fantastic for it. But a lot of teams, I don't think are going to have time to catch up. And it might be better, especially with teams like Dallas, where you're fearless on the team, stick to the Winston. If you're Hangzhou and you're Gushu on the team, stick to the Winston, play to your strengths and play to what, you know, is going to give you your, the best chance of winning rather than trying to 
catch up or copy a Chengdu or Shanghai. So there's going to be plenty of teams like Dallas and Hangzhou, in my opinion, that will try and lead the way in Winston instead. And that could still be a really strong meta choice. See, I, I agree. I, I think you're coming from the right place and I agree with you. Uh, to me, as a competitor, though, I feel like you're just like accepting second place in that regard. Because I don't think the Winston compositions, how good they are, will eventually beat some of these fantastic wrecking ball teams. Like for me right now, it's like Shanghai, Chengdu all the way. Like they're the two favorites to actually win the Countdown Cup. And if you decide to bring out like Winston in week one and two. So, so do you want to put Phelos on ball then? Like what's. It sounds if they want to, to win the well. Countdown Cup, I think that is Dallas Fuel's best bet. If they want to win, if they want to make. If, if they even want to like make it out of the knockouts, okay, sure, you can probably do that with Fearless on the Winston. But I don't think you're going to beat Shanghai. I don't think you're going to beat Chengdu playing the Winston. I'm sorry. That is a, it's a discussion we always have every year in Overwatch is should you try and play what you believe is like perfect Overwatch for this meta or should you try and play to your team's strengths? And in, in your everyday regular season matches, playing to the team strengths does seem to have a lot of benefit. It is difficult to do in a, in, in a match against the other best teams in the world. It's difficult to lean on your strengths. Having said that, though, that is Dallas Fuel's playstyle. That's been what they've done all year long. They haven't won the June Joust and the Summer Showdown, though. Okay. Well, they're already qualified for the end of season playoffs. Sandbag. Learn how to play Wrecking Ball for the playoffs. You might need it. I, I think you're overrating Ball. I'm going to say it. And this is coming from me. I think you're seriously overrating Ball. I, I think Winston's not as bad as you think it is compared to the Ball. Um, I think, I think okay, it's very hard well, to get good Winston comps without a Lucio in the mix. I think getting that, really? like... I think if you want to play aggressive like Dallas do, right? Because Dallas aren't a passive team. They're, or rather, they're not a reactive team. They're not, they're not going to sit and try and peel. Like Shanghai, when they played against Chengdu, got a big value out of peeling. They weren't trying to like speed boost their Reaper into the back lines and destroy Chengdu. They were waiting for the engages and tearing them to pieces. That's what it felt like when I was watching the finals. Whereas Dallas were, they had the Genji. They were like, boom, straight into the back. If you don't have that factor to you, I, I don't really, I don't know how you're going to be able to generate good value on a map like Route 66 or Havana with a Winston combo or something. I feel like there's maps in the pool where you're just forced to play uh, Ball or Orissa comps and Fearless doesn't play or at least hasn't played either of them. I mean, what about May Melee? Like Winston was one of the prevalent tanks in May Melee. Ball was being played somewhat, but not really. Chengdu was the only team really hard forcing the ball. Yeah, Shanghai um, did in the I finals I though. I think a lot of uh, a double bubble, and then yeah, you know, we'll say Zarya starting to fall out. I'll give you that. But you know, Anna play with Winston, Nana boosting. That's still a very viable, powerful strategy to play around. Um, Anna break back line. You didn't need. I don't think you need the Lucio for a Winston comp at all. The Lucio to me enables more of the Reaper than the Winston, if anything. Um, I maybe I don't know. I I I've got a lot more hopium for Winston based compositions than most people probably. No, I. I think that the, the Winston comps were good as well. They're, they're finding good value with those Anabrig backlines. I'm just concerned that they won't be able to counter the ball comps. Like back in the main melee, no one was really playing ball, so no one had figured out that it was a good counter. I think now that people have figured out like how to work around the Winston comps, I think it's going to get more progressively more difficult to execute with Winston. Having said that, though, I think Dallas could play the same shit they were running in the main melee and win in North America. They, I just don't. Uh, I just don't think they could win the Countdown Cup. Yeah, I don't I think, think there's a single. I, I don't think there's a single team in NA that I would trust to beat Dallas with a ball comp. 
The meta's Washington changed Justice. though a little bit when we think about this moving forward and that ball Winston idea because the ball kind of was clearly superior to the like Winston rush we'd seen previously because teams were really, like you said very reliant on being one dimensional and they would just get slammed and executed, right? But now the paradigm has like shifted. Like no one's like just playing Winston to just like only dive, right? Everyone has seen how other comps can work around Winston and you do, you're not just going balls to the wall like rush or just like balls to the wall dive which you still theoretically could. So the mitigation of like that Wintercom buy ball has changed a lot because now you can't just slam the engage because no one's just waiting for a pure engage anymore. Now there's a lot more poke that's possible. So I'm also kind of in Avril's camp again with the Winston probably could be still pretty good. I think okay. I, I really do believe that Winston is not outclassed by ball. It's more so you have to worry about the archetype of the comp. And that's why ball was better than Dallas's comp um, earlier in the year was because Dallas only had one play style and it was rush aggressively with the Winston and the Reaper. And you just slam engage. You just stop the engage entirely with the slam, right? But now if you're not only trying to rush, there's a lot more ways to work around the ball and like actually get value out of your Winston. Yeah. Okay. I will say to end that I think a, a, a bad wrecking ball doesn't make up for like a good Winston, you know? So if you're yeah. going to play bad wrecking ball, it's just not an all to win. It's not what I'm saying. But if you can play wrecking ball really good, I think it's better than a really good Winston. Okay, well, let's move on to our next topic. Going into the Countdown Cup, there's many different narratives around the scene. But we wanted to pick out some of our favorites. What are you... I'm going to start with Avril again here. What are you most looking forward to in the Countdown Cup in terms of narrative arc? If we think about the kind of chapters of the Overwatch League season so far, what, are you, what story are you looking forward to either reaching its conclusion or some big decisive fork in the road for a team? What, what, are, what are the narratives you paying attention to here? A bread bowl, number one. Um, <laughs> yes. Okay. I yes. mean, let's spend a bit of time yeah. on Can that be real? because I'm glad Can you. Be real? Like, I say that as a joke, but bread bowl is actually one of the. I, I, oh, this is hard for me because as much as I'd like to see Vancouver and London take some wins, I would also love it if they took no wins until we get to the bread bowl just oh, yeah. for that narrative to survive. Because if one of them so gets a win, everyone. well, then the bread bowls, there's no hype around it. It's, it's done. No one cares about the bread bowl if one of them has taken a game beforehand. So they both need to be on zero match wins by the time we get to the final game of the season. Mm -hmm. um, that to me is like the second most hyped game before the grand finals is the bread ball to me. So uh, <laughs> I'm hoping that narrative persists. But uh, the real answer would be, um, I would like to see if... <sighs> I would like to see if, if there is a possibility for maybe Philadelphia Fusion to bounce back. I think that's been a really interesting storyline throughout the entire season. They've entered the APAC region. They've had this entire team thing happen where they started with the Falcon roster based on visas and COVID. Now they're slowly integrating players and things have actually progressively gotten worse. Johnny's talked about this kind of honeymoon phase as well, which has you know, ended up being, I think, pretty true. Um, and now they've had a really weird kind of season where things are now you know, coming right down to the wire, right down the line. I have no doubt that Philadelphia are probably within the top five teams to probably make a play-ins run. But that being said, they've been upset by, I don't even know if I can call an upset anymore, a new Excelsior like twice now in the season. I think yeah, yeah. they play again in the Countdown Cup one last time. Um, Philly have the hardest so strength of schedule. Out of all of the teams, I think, in like the league, the, there was some graph about strength of schedule, and Phillies was through the roof. One of the hardest. Yeah. Because yeah, they, they, they have Shanghai. They have Shanghai. They, play, they have Seoul. Yeah. Shanghai, Spark. New York, so I'll tell you what, that's that's what makes this narrative exciting is because you know this is this is really the final stretch of this is really like if they are ever to be considered a good team, you gotta be you gotta beat the best, right? So 
Uh, one last shot for Philly, one last ride. I think that's a, that's a fun storyline. Do they have... They, they should now have Shockwave available, right? Oh, here we go. Yeah. Oh, this is from Carrie from SI Not Found. Um, so... What you'll see here, these are the... Oh, okay, so these are the APAC teams. The previous one was the <laughs> NA teams as well. And Fusion has easily the hardest strength of schedule in APAC, followed by NYXL charge. Interestingly, they are competing with NYXL to get into the play-ins as well, right? So those are the two teams that are at that kind of position. I think Fusion is 7-5 and five and XL is 5-7, and seven, something like Another that. Three, aren't they three? I think they're two behind. I think Excelsior are two behind the yep. five wins. Seven points to five points. Yeah, yeah, I think it's five and seven. So I think, um, you know, if NYXL has had a really easy strength to schedule, then maybe you're thinking, okay, they have a chance of overtaking, but they literally play against each other and New York still have some hard opposition. So it would still be quite hard for New York to catch up, but that match could end up being so important for them. Yeah. That's a, that's definitely a big one. Where, I know that you said you're looking forward to following the narrative, but where do you come down analytically on that? Like, what do you think the chances are of Fusion actually bouncing back? I think Fusion... Um, like, I'm just thinking about what they can run in this meta. I think Trace is going to be one of the more important, one of the most important heroes in this meta. And I have said for the entire season that I don't think Fusion have a good Tracer player uh, at all. I don't think any of their players... And people say, oh, what about Carpe? Uh, Carpe, he... Maybe this is some recency bias, but when out of the three Tracer players they've shown, which is all three of the DPSs minus Shockwave, so Ikiro, Carpe, um, and Rascal, it, honest, recently Carpe probably looked the worst to me on, on, the, on, on the eye test. I look at stats as well, and I think the stats would kind of prove that also. It just doesn't, it just doesn't feel like any of their three players have kind of fit into that role properly. Maybe it could be Shockwave. I've wanted it to be Ikiro for a while, because I think the Flex DPS player, the, the player that normally plays Echo on the team, is now typically also your tracer play. That's the the current trend as far as pro Overwatch goes, um, and th that's the one position that's been kind of weird and missing for the Philadelphia Fusion because the Echo players don't play a phenomenal tracer and they're getting deft. Um, Sombra is a bit of a weird place as well because I I didn't like any of the Sombra that I saw out of the Philadelphia Fusion. So their DPS line, for what it's worth, to me is currently the most lacking in that department, and they've just lost Ash. Can they make McCree work? Carpe's going to have to. If it's not for that, then I, I don't know what else they got in their tank because. The funny thing is, New York's uh, DPS line right now to me looks maybe even potentially stronger than Philadelphia's DPS line, which is such a weird thing to say on paper. Is, because yeah. on paper, you, you, you'd find that hard to believe, but based on performances, it seems kind of true. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, just to follow up on that quickly, I think New York Excelsior, like going into this next meta, they look kind of decent, did it not? Like in their win against Philadelphia Fusion, they played the ball against Tankshaw Spark, if I'm not incorrect. That like uh, last week of qualifying. Qualifier games? Am I wrong here? I can't they remember. played Tracer Sombra, did they not? In their last qualifier games? I New York? Hang Chow and Philly. I think they did. I, I think they looked kind of decent. I remember watching that Hang Chow New York game and I was kind of impressed by uh, mm. teams, even though they lost that one. So I, I, I think it could be a decent matter for New York. I think the more weight you can put onto the DPS and the less, the less weight you have on the shoulders of the NYXL tank line, the better you're looking. Plus, if you're able to put Jonak onto Zen. Yeah, you're getting the biggest yeah. value you can yeah. out of him possible. So it's, uh, yeah, it's it's theoretical. I, I feel like it's over for Philly. In the same way that I feel like the season is over for New York, they had an opportunity at the mid... Uh, sorry, the same way that I feel the season is over for the Mayhem. Obviously not as dramatic for Philly because they're still hanging on. But it's, uh, it doesn't... The, none of the signs look good for the Fusion. It just feels like they got shafted by players? so many problems. What do you mean they, it's over? 
You're saying uh, I don't miss mean miss planes, but I mean they'll just go out early in the planes. They, I, okay. I would be extremely surprised if they made playoffs. Um, well, planes gives an open meta, and I think that unlocks a lot more of their good points. So, like, they can go mm. back towards stuff like Echo, which was a reasonable pick for them. I don't know. Maybe that's some Philly copium. Yeah, oh, I, 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 I don't know. Play brawl again on Lucio. I don't know. Put funny Astro back on Lucio for a brawl. Like, that's all good for Philly. I mean, it's hard to believe that with an open meta that Fusion would not do well. But I mean, also, we've not seen well the performances. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I, I think, think the, the Philly Copium, honestly, is just like that the entire APAC region besides Shanghai is pretty unstable and unreliable. So if you can just hold on into play-ins and you find like a groove, there's a good chance you can beat teams like Hangzhou if they have a bad match like they did versus New York in that knockout match, for example. Um, Seoul Dynasty, even though, you know, they got some nice wins this season, we still are not convinced by their uh, consistency and reliability. Um, Chengdu, you know, they'll probably be pretty sturdy, you know, they'll make it by uh, the planes for sure. They can rely on the Wrecking Ball, so they're set. But like, there are some, you know, upset potential here for Philly if they get the right matchups in the right meta. Well, Chengdu go to Arlington. I'm I'm pretty certain because top two from APAC go. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, Chengdu yeah. have so many points and they have such an easy strength of schedule. Yeah. Uh, they they might as well book their tickets to Texas now. It's Shanghai Tech and Chengdu go yeah. to Texas and then one last spot for everyone else. It really does feel like it, right? Um, I, I want to ask the same question to you have asked. What, what narratives are you looking for in the Countdown Cup? The biggest one, I mean, so Avril's already done the most important one, which is Red Bull. That's the most important one. So <laughs> yeah. secondly, yeah. the I'm actually super interested in seeing, I really want to see if Atlantic can prove themselves as like an actual top tier team. Mm. Um, because for me, like they've seen really top tier and the metas have been good for them. But I'm just, you know, there's still that question mark hanging over their head is like, where do they go as soon as we can't, play Orissa or Reinhardt, you know? Like, now they're forced to play Winston and Ball, pretty much. So where where do they go? And because the, overall, the results throughout the year have been they're a top-tier team, but this meta is not to their tank line's liking or potentially their support line with Iris, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm just interested to see, like, where does that put them? Because it seemed, it would seem like a ridiculous point in this where it's, it's a ridiculous flaw in a team system where you can be extremely top tier and just, and well, I mean, it's not a ridiculous flaw. It happens all the time, but it just, it would just suck essentially with the Atlanta season they've had to be like, okay, we've done this well. And then we get the wrong meta and we just flop like towards the end, like really heavily. Right. As soon as yeah. they got, they, they'd still make playoffs. Right. Yeah. So yeah, they'd yeah. be, they'd be fine. They'd still get an open meta past that, but it's, it would just be unfortunate because I don't think there's any way that they could, they can't fail planes. Right? Like it would be yeah. ridiculous. I, I'm not even sure it's mathematically possible. That I don't they think could it's mathematically. Yeah, I don't think it's mathematically possible for them to be eliminated. Essentially, even if they lost everything, so they should be fine no matter what. But would want them to show signs of life on a different meta. Yeah. Because if they don't show signs of life on a different meta, then to me, I, I don't see how you can really ever feel confident about the team in its current iteration for ever being a true contender, even if they remain good. Mm. Because you simply must be competent in multiple People... metas if you ever want to be a contender to a title. People um, will hear your point there about like they're forced onto Winston, forced onto Ball, and they'll say, "Well, okay, Vasper, but they also they did well in the June Joust. Like they were playing Winston comps there, and they did well. But that to me is different because they were essentially playing like a rush comp, but with a Winston. Yes, it, it's like yeah, it was Atlanta, the same principles. Yeah, it's like Atlanta speed boost and go, which is what the Atlanta Rain loves to do. It's just that you're your compass shifted, but your goal is somewhat the same where you're trying to I do think they should be together. able to perform well because I, I think showing what I've seen more and more from them, uh, it seems like they developed a little bit more willing to play slow, 
with like the Arisa, like the ideas are there with the Arisa comps, right? Like they're they're able to execute slow paced comps. It's just de developing that into when you're playing a Winston or a Ball. Uh, it's just, but will they? Will they? And that's that's my big question. And also, can Dynasty not make me sad? Can Dynasty not make me sad and make plans? That's like, something, or, yeah. yeah. That was gonna yeah, be yeah, one like, of mine. Probably make plans, yeah. Like I'm sure they'll be. I'm sure they'll be fine because overall, I was when we were. I was looking at their schedule. When I did my last power ranking, and like they were like they've really only lost to like pretty good teams for the most part, honestly. Um, yeah. So like in retrospect of where we are with APAC, but I, I just like I'm just worried they're gonna beef it. But re but really, I, I they should be fine. And those are my big storylines because I think Soul. This is like the year that people should be most excited about Soul because they've actually shown to be like pretty solid throughout the whole year and headed into a metas that could maybe be very good for them. Right. See, here's um, here's where I'm slightly disagreeing with you though, which is I understand your point that this is the year to be excited about Soul, but to me the excitement for the Soul Dynasty always came from their peaks. And I have not seen the same peaks from Soul this year. There hasn't been a meta that's gripped my heart and soul where I look at them and I'm like, fuck yeah, that's my profit and gesture. Or even that's my Marv 1, you know, where, he, <laughs> where they, they come in and they do incredible. I mean, Profit has had some insane maps, but the team as a whole has not really like grabbed, grabbed the, uh, one of the meta yeah. by, metas by the horns and looked phenomenal. And I don't think this one coming up it looks that great for them either. They were playing quite a lot of rush in the Countdown Cup, which, I mean, you can't play anymore. And then when they played ball comps towards the end of it, I wasn't that impressed with Marvel. Right. So, I don't know. One thing, all have gone 3-1 every stage, by the way. Yeah. They've yeah. consistently been above the... They've been good. They, they've only lost. The only teams they've lost to this entire season are Shanghai three times, understandable. Chengdu twice, pretty understandable and philadelphia once in the main melee when philly went on their four zero streak so yeah i agree exactly. with the past like they've had a they've had a phenomenal season as far as regular season goes i just i i just don't see that high so maybe where i agree with you josh is like the peaks of seoul haven't been there because shanghai have been so high up they've been so untouchable that whenever i've and i've been the i've been the guy that's always been like oh yeah apec el classico it's shanghai versus seoul again and every time i see shanghai versus seoul seoul get crushed yeah and they get deft in every area i'm like dude fitz is like looking like the, the next best hits camp player i think lip is great but fitz is looking so good and then lips just demolishes and poos on fitz i'm like wow it's not even close <laughs> so it's yeah. rough, man. It's they just can't catch up it's more of watching like i think could they could they surpass chengdu you know I don't necessarily think Soul's going to win this. I mean, when you look at Dynasty's performance, there's just no way. Like, and also since Fuel's like in the equation and stuff, like there's just no way that Dynasty's more than likely ever going to win this, uh, especially like you said, without the peaks. But can they at least get be better than Chengdu, where I feel like they have developed an overall more competent system than Chengdu currently? And, well, that's, and it's just Chengdu has players that are just legitimately so fucking good. That's the, the, the crucial aspect, though, is it not? Because the top two from APAC book their spot to, to Dallas. Is that... Yeah. Right? Yeah. Is that correct? So, and yeah. then the APAC teams are fighting over the third spot, which would be like Chengdu being the heavy favorites. Because at the moment, on the standings, it's Shanghai and Seoul. So, what I guess the big narrative here is who qualifies in second, is it not? Because I feel like Seoul Dynasty do actually have some chance of being upset, maybe, when it comes to. Actually, I mean, fuck knows. But it'd be, it'd be, it would be Chengdu that would be more likely to be the I guess, upset yeah. one. Chengdu coming into this. would be more this likely to be upset. Dynasty have been consistent. Dude, Chengdu's yeah. schedule is so easy compared to, to Souls. But can they I'd overtake? I'd be very them? surprised if Chengdu don't book their ticket to Texas. They're but, gone. They're number two. 
But do you think they can overtake them into the number two spot in the standings? How far behind are they compared to the Seoul Dynasty? Equal points. They're equal points. They both are, they? are nine. They both are no, nine. No, no, no. Shanghai equal points, are they? Yeah, Shanghai's because on 18. The... Seoul and Chengdu are nine. Is that because oh, of yeah, the... Oh, yeah, you're um... right, because of league points. Yeah, league points. Yeah, because of the league points from uh, yeah, the Countdown yeah, yeah, Cup. Yeah. Yep. Uh, sorry, from the Summer Showdown. Yep. That's Interesting. Right. Yeah, so Chengdu are probably going into second. And so, and... yeah, this consistency from the Seoul Dynasty would have to be enormous throughout the play-ins. Because, because Chengdu have an easy schedule, they probably make Countdown Cup again, and if they win another game there, that's another free point. Yeah. So, I mean, Chengdu are heavily favoured to be second seed going to yeah. Texas. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Good point. Yep. Jonathan, what are your favourite storylines that we haven't mentioned so far? Uh, I'm going to go with the NA Copium. Straight off the bat, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm really not doing the APEC crowd any favours here. Uh, <laughs> Dallas Fuel. I, I think Dallas Fuel will be really interesting because we've talked about the entire season. When are we go like when are Dallas Fuel going to be exposed? When are they going to be found out because of their inability to, you know, not have a proper risk and player, etc.? They've been found out. In my opinion, Dallas Fuel have been found out. Um, and they've been exposed by Shanghai and Chengdu to prove what like what they cannot really deal with. The question now is going to be in this meta, without the Lucio as well, how are Dallas Fuel going to adapt? And I, I I'm a big, I'm a big believer in like psychology for some of these players like how will they actually take some of these losses on the chin if they encounter losses how is that going to affect their mood and their um team chemistry not not team chemistry as much because obviously these guys know each other they're like they're really good friends with each other but like how is that going to affect their motivation going to the playoffs which they're pretty much guaranteed to go into but i could see that as you going two and two in these qualifying matches i honestly could yeah. because i because they're, they're going to struggle to adapt to this meta in my opinion they will probably have to uh, learn how to adapt to this meta that's going to mean that there's going to be some failures along the way. In my opinion, Dallas Fuel, their journey so far has been that they just came into the season, just like guns ablazing, just like going all out, playing super aggressive, catching all these teams off guard. And can you still do that? Yeah, you can probably still do that against some of these lower teams, some of the teams that cannot really adapt to Wrecking Ball themselves. But the question for me is how will Dallas Fuel sort of like, not necessarily reinvent themselves, but how are they going to find that extra special 10% will be required to beat some of these elite teams are they going to be able to do that um in these qualifier matches especially um that's going to be very interesting to me and see how Dallas people do and then also just like a side note looking forward to gladiators and washington in this stage uh, particularly because of the hero pools um gladiators this is like their last hurrah like can you make it work um dpay is probably fired up to try and make this roster work um they've been playing dive pretty much all season Okay, well, now you can play some Wrecking Ball Dive, perhaps, and get some of your players going. Um, this should be the meta for you. And Washington Justice as well. I was massively improved by their um, Wrecking Ball play towards the end of the Summer Showdown qualification mm -hmm. matches. And I think they would have done better than Dallas Fuel in the, uh, yeah. the playoffs. So uh, those are the teams I'm keeping my eye on. I think it's okay. going to be a really interesting stage. Well, let's take a look now at our predictions for the Countdown Cup. So we want to predict the four teams that make it there. So we've already talked quite a lot, actually, about the APAC teams because I feel like that's a bit of a slam dunk, to be honest. I mean, are we? is anyone going outside of it being a repeat of Shanghai and Chengdu? Is anyone feeling bold with this one? Washington Justice. APAC. Oh, APAC, sorry. I thought you meant finals. <laughs> I thought you meant finals. I thought you meant the repeat of the finals. I'm sorry. Okay, I mean, I was just thinking about 
I think I was thinking about Seoul, but it? I'm not. I, I just can't. I can't in good conscience, right? When you see how Chengdu performed, like you can't in good conscience put Seoul Dynasty above them. It's more so. I propose the storyline simply because I've they've just been they've been giving me salacious looks the whole season, you know. <laughs> but like I just I I can't in good conscience put them above Chengdu. Yeah. So Seoul have definitely got chances, but we'll 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 see. I think it's. Uh... Difficult to make a call. From the North American side, though, it does seem a little more open because it's made a larger difference to the meta. Uh, Jonathan, I thought you were just having a bit of a senile moment when you shouted Washington Justice for an APAC team going through, but you actually meant that you thought there was a chance of the Justice making the finals of the Countdown Cup. What are you on? The goop. I'm off the goop. I, I'm absolutely <laughs> off the goop. Paid in beer again. I yeah, no, yeah. I have you been paid in I beer? Haven't, I haven't actually gone on the beer. I think, I think Washington Justice. If I had to make, you know, a dark horse prediction, I think that they're gonna make it out of the top two in NA, and could potentially, you know, from there on beat Chengdu maybe. That's my off okay, the goop wait, dark wait, horse wait, prediction. Wait. Why do you think this? Do you believe heavily in the Bebe Zenyatta? Do you believe very heavily in the in uh, Assassin and Decay as like a Tracer Sombra frontline? Is this Mag? Yes. What, I think what, that what is Assassin. It? I think that Assassin and Decay is a fantastic DPS duo if they can uh, play their comfort heroes. Uh, Fury, obviously, he looked amazing in the Summer Showdown. Probably the best awards he's played all season. Um, I don't think Mag Wrecking Ball is going to be too shabby. If they just commit to playing that composition, um, I think they're going to be fine. And I think as well that the backline of the Washington Justice, they're not world beaters by any means, but I think they've proven some of the anti-Washington Justice support line crowd wrong this season. Uh, they're not the best in the league, but there's only like at a very respectable level, and I think they hold their own to an extent. So, uh, you know, Bebe uh, and Closer, I, I don't think it's the end of the world, and I think they can rely on their DPS and tanks. God, Lord, you've got them going to the finals, but the best thing you said about their backline is it's not okay, the end it's of the world. Okay, a dark horse pick. I told you, okay? okay? They're not my favorites, but I think they can so do it. So they're losing the finals then? Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. I mean, I'm definitely there with you on Assassin and Decay. I thought Assassin and Decay looked like a stellar uh, DPS duo. When it came specifically to the Sombra Tracer, I think the style that they had Assassin play was very good. It's this like frontline, giving them a ton of resources, give them the Harmony Orb, give them the Brigitte pocket. Like it's a similar way to how Lip plays, where he's going to be pocketed very heavily by his backline and trying to farm. Uh, EMP and he's very difficult to like push out of position. It gives you so much more opportunity to get good hacks and get farm. Um, and decays a phenom. Where I'm not convinced though is again this like narrative about the North American Zens. I'm just not. I, I, I'm not. I'm not sold yet on people like Bebe, Iris, uh, Crimzo, Fielder. You know, like some of them have been good before but like top tier able to compete with the absolute best in the world and get you deep into a finals on such a pivotal hero that's where the doubts start to creep in for me that's where okay, the doubts but start we'll to creep in prove you wrong down the line okay all right take your time watch a couple of qualifier games and then you can join in on the washington stonks okay right. it's fine uh, what, what do you what do you think about the washington justice copium of asked I don't know. I mean, I've been a notorious Justin da Justice doubter and Justin. Fuck that guy. I don't know. Whoever, whoever <laughs> we are, Justin. Uh, I don't Poor know who Justin. Justin is. 
But the I've been a notorious justice doubter. I do think this is the first time they've shown any sort of promise, re, like in this past stage or so, of being like the team they were supposed to be. Uh, so so the times are good. I do think they're really really strong, and I could see them making one because we're 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 predicting the top two that were coming out of an A, right? And we're pretty much auto giving one slot to fuel still, correct? Are we still auto giving that slot to fuel? I'm not actually. I think it's I'll give them one. I think it's hard to still to not give it to fuel. Still, in my personal opinion, it's hard to not give it to fuel. Um, they just haven't. I mean, they've literally gone like they've literally gone to every yeah. tournament. They've done so well. Like they're they. It's just hard not to give it to them. And I don't think hit scan is suddenly going to be magically more impactful. Um, this particular meta right now that we mm. are we're in a dive meta. So overall, I think fuel still gets one spot. So we're we're arguing over the second spot. I in in my personal opinion. Okay. See, Justice making the run. Uh, I could. And this is the issue with like Atlanta, right? If if I was like any other meta, like yeah, Atlanta, based on how they've been playing. I don't know. What does Atlanta do in a meta where you're not playing a rush sort of style with the dive? How do they mm. perform? They've shown they can poke before. <sighs> Who knows? Glad's a very solid choice. Their candidate shock, probably a good meta. I am gonna throw. I'm going full, full copium. I'm going to do it. It's about to happen. Do it. I'm about, what outlaws? No, no. Fuck, I've never. I've never what? predicted outlaws. For I anything. thought you were gonna say outlaws. I thought oh, he was no. gonna say outlaws. What have I ever predicted outlaws for anything? I don't know. No, no, no. Never is the answer, and I still won't. You're so, going for Paris, the, aren't you, you mad I'm bastard? Going oh my God, I'm going no. for Paris Eternal for the second spot for this one. Yep. Dude, the, I, the horrible part about this is I could fucking see it. I think Naga is insane, and getting Khan on the Zen, if he has someone else in the back line who can just pilot him and, and tell him where to position and what decisions to make, the guy yeah, pops, like and then Dan like is also really good too. I think, if they I can think, get Naga I also on think Farah, Bestola to me oh. is like the is making a case for being just a better look at this bond. fucking <laughs> European. I, I, know. I mean, look, wait, 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 wait. it evens out. Changed his tune, hasn't he? Mega, oh, omega turbo poo. <laughs> so, like, let's calm down. The British Hurricane London Spitfire team is still... <laughs> okay, do London and Vancouver, they Paris negate each other, out. okay? Well, that's equal playing field. London and Vancouver, they cancel each other out. So... Yeah, but British Hur but London was the British Hurricane, the best contenders team since Eagle Gaming. So like, I mean, let's you know, like, yeah, I don't, yeah, no, no, no. It, Paris is definitely the redeeming grace. Okay, okay, and so you 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 think there's a good shot that Dallas and Paris are the teams to go to the countdown? I Cup? could see it. I could wow. see it. Yeah. Okay, Avril, what are you thinking? I'm doing. Mine's even worse. I'm I'm like happy and sad of I said that because I'm I'm standing in solidarity. With my fellow Overwatch uh, members here, that's, whose names start with A and V, and I think uh, I think I got Paris as well. But I have Paris going potentially four zero, and uh, that's that's not a joke either because I there was that that kind of meme that Vala put out. It's like, oh yeah, we we O four, yeah, I know we were one three, and you know the, the score lines are going up and yeah, up and up. One three two two three one. They're going up and up, and they can get the four zero now. If they beat Dallas, I seriously think they go four zero. That's the most pivotal game. It's the first game as well, and that one is a bit of a coin toss. Um, I still feel good about Dallas because I think this meta actually is actually pretty good for them. The bands don't affect them in too many ways. They've the the composition I see them going towards is Brig Anna, Diva, Winston, 
Tracer Sombra, which I think it, all the members comfortably play anyway. People have been talking about Fire, like it's going to be relevant. I don't think Fire is going to be that relevant, but if she is, Sparkle's your guy. So Dallas are good to go, I think, as far as comps are. Um, and I don't, personally don't think they need to play the ball. Paris are actually ahead in terms of getting a bit of ball action in there. Um, Khan in the back line's great. Naga, like you said, has been really popping off as well. Um, they have sooner and only God for, tra for Tracer options, which are really, really strong. So right now, Paris are looking good for me. Their strength of schedule is so, so good for them as well. Really? What, who I do they play? See the, you're they you're got a little Dallas Matt replacement. They got Boston after that. And then uh, their last two games, uh, London and Toronto. Oh, so, holy shit. They actually wow. do have a strong chance of they're, going 4-0. Like, their schedule's not bad. Zero. Like I said to you, 4-0 yeah, is a real possibility here. They could upset that last field too. I mean, well, they definitely could because they they would had close matches versus like Justice, right? When the meta was looking way better for Justice, and I I I, I think they're so flexible right now. I've been so impressed yeah. with Eternal's flexibility as a yeah. roster. So, so they, they have been. My, they have they have been good. Is, uh, is Paris first seed? No shit. Paris first seed. My hot take. Mm. Second seed is hard for me. Um, no, I'm serious. I'm serious. I think they got a brilliant schedule, and they're already slightly ahead of the minute. Welcome, fellow Paris simp. Thank you for joining <laughs> me. <laughs> You might have it's, turned it's even, me with this the strength isn't even of schedule. Like, oh, this doesn't even mean saying something like, oh, well, you know, if we go to the Dallas Future, I'm like, oh, yeah, they made every tournament, so they'll make another tournament. I don't I don't buy into that. I have to still seriously look at their, their capabilities here. I, I'm still high on Dallas. Um, but the other teams, I think a Shock are actually a bit of a sleeper pick here as well, because Shock um, have the capability to get a win over Dallas, maybe upset them. Uh, they can definitely play dive. The only area was I don't, I still don't know if I'm really confident in, in their tracer department. Uh, like you know, Josh, you mentioned Violet and Zen. I think that's a good pick as well. Uh, Smurf back on Winston's a good pick. I don't think, again, I don't think they need to play ball necessarily, but um, we'll have to see how the rest of them go. That's that's a potential sleeper pick. But Glad's Washington, also very strong. That second seed for me is pretty tough, and I almost want to, by default, give it back to Dallas because I think they'll have a pretty good composition to run, but Paris is, to me, the only real team that I'm 100% confident on, and the, the, the second seed is still a bit washy. I, I think... Shock as well have a strong chance. I'm glad you mentioned them uh, rebounding because I've actually been really impressed with Glister's Tracer. I think that he's he's uh, high-key underrated by the community as a whole because he's replaced Striker. And so the obvious narrative is like, Striker was so good, Glister must be poo because he's replacing him. But Glister's actually been nuts in the games where he's been uh, playing. I was looking back in the replay viewer of him and Smurf and their coordination between the two of them is impeccable. So if they get Smurf onto the ball, I think that that could be insanely good. The only question for me is like Nero and what he ends up playing. Because if they want him to play some Farah, if that becomes uh, a pick and they're playing like Farah Tracer or Farah Sombra, something like that, then it pushes like Violet over to Anna most of the time because you're not really going to want to just leave the Zen on the ground on their own. So it, it creates some confusion there. Or you've got Nero playing Sombra, which would be odd, I think. I don't think I've seen Nero play Sombra before. I'm, I'm sure he could. Maybe he played it for Guangzhou, but I don't think he did. I think that was Eileen that ended up playing it in the past. So uh, uh, I could totally be wrong here, but I think Glister... Okay, he's he could be an okay tracer. We need to move on, by the way. But okay. just quickly, I I think comparing Glister to some of the other tracers in the North American region, Dante, Decay, Kevster, I mean Edison for the Atlanta Rain, even yeah. uh, for Paris Eternal, you you know, I I I I think that Glister, yeah, it could be okay on tracer, but I wouldn't consider him a favorite at all against some of the other tracers that are trying to make it through the knockouts. I'm I'm sorry. I There's think, some really good tracers in NA. 
Yeah, there, there are some fantastic choices in it. But uh, don't, don't count the boy out. All right, top five matches of the week. Let's get some predictions in. Um, a lot of these are North American focus because there's just crazy matches going down in week one for NA. Um, our first match of the week, Kurt, bring it up. What's happening here? It's the Houston Outlaws against the Washington Justice. And I am the sole person going for the Houston Outlaws. The other three have all gone for the Justice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my case before I hear everybody else's. I do, I do think Assassin and Decay are, are very good. I think that Dante and Happy should be a, a decent DPS line in this meta as well. Like, okay, Dante can't play the Sombra most of the time because that's Happy's job. But the reason that I'm going for Houston here is that I think getting Jangu onto the ball and and having that be your the focus of your playstyle could be very good for them. I think a lot of people were saying that Houston are going to get heavily nerfed, you know, Arissa's not available or something like that because there's a lot of what they were trying to play in the previous one. I think Jangu's best two picks are his Reinhardt and his Wrecking Ball. And any compositions that center around that are probably going to do pretty well. Uh, the coordination between Django and, uh, and, and Dante, I think, can potentially be better than the coordination between Mag and Decay. I think Decay's an insane tracer, but I think in terms of what you're getting out of your main tank, Django, I have more faith in than Mag in this matchup. And I think the Houston Altos have got a strong chance of being able to take this, despite how good the Justice should be. I've said my piece on Washington. Said your piece. Avril, do you want to tear this one down brick by brick? You know, do you want to tear it? I, I, I just think Washington are ahead uh, as far as the early meta goes. I, I see this meta being heavily geared towards dive. Washington have the advantage there in terms of what they've already been playing. Uh, their players are comfortable in all those picks. Assassin Decay has already been talked about plenty. Uh, I think we've all actually talked plenty about Justice to the point where, you know, it's, it wouldn't be hard to tread for them. So I was pretty curious about your Houston explanation though and i do see some good points there the the other thing i, I didn't mention behind. as well is i think crimzo is a good talent and i've seen his zen and it's decent i'm not saying that it's like you know violet alarm level zenyatta but it's good and i think it can outperform bebe and that is another crucial factor like to me the three keys to this meta are probably going to be ball tracer zen on a lot of maps and i think that houston's got all three of those in a way that i have a bit more confidence in than than the Justice. But, I mean, the Justice are probably still going to be excellent. I think this should be a good game, though. I'd be disappointed yeah. if one of these teams flops. Let's take a look at our next match of the week, then. Next one coming up. The Atlanta Reign against the LA Gladiators. Ah, so sad. This one, I feel, though, if you consider the whole year, we've all predicted the Gladiators. I think if you consider the year as a whole, this would almost be an upset pick. Because the Gladiators have been underneath the rain for the the last two stages the rain has been the better team right so it's only been a slim margin but what's the justification for all of us believing in the gladiators here above the rain i think we're all going to think meta right there like is there yeah. anything other than just meta that is like that's really it like in any other time i'd be predicting atlanta rain right but it's just meta it's literally just I think, meta. I don't know if I can believe in the Atlanta rain currently, comparatively to Glad's, this meta. Yeah, I don't have a lot of information on Atlanta in terms of their flexibility to, to swap in pivot compositions and how far they can go on that right now. Whereas I think I'm pretty confident that Glad's have and can and will continue to. Atlanta are going to be in an uncomfortable space in this meta, so that's, that's where my grid goes towards Gladiators. 
Yeah, I think we're all on the same page. I, I think this is a great opportunity, though, in this opening match for Gator and Iris particularly to prove everyone wrong. Like, people are heavily doubting, I think, especially those two. Of like, okay, can Gator adjust and play the ball, play the Winston? And can Iris be very successful playing Zen against somebody like Shu or playing Anna or whatever the heck he has to play rather than playing the, the BAP comps with the, with the Rush or being able to play Moira with Lucio? So I think those are two big... Um, big narratives for the Atlanta Reign that they can try and dismiss early on in the Countdown Cup. All right, next match. What's the next cracker we got on our hands, huh? It's the Dallas Fuel against the San Francisco Shock. Okay. And all three of you have gone with the Dallas Fuel here, and I've again gone for a different pick with the Shock. Um, so, okay, do you want to go, go on, Jonathan? No, go, go. So... I mean, I understand that you're saying that Shock could be really good in this meta, which, you know, it's yet to see. Yeah. I think this is going to be a case of Dallas Fuel, consistent, good team, and I think they'll turn up, you know, in most cases. I just don't think Shock is going to be this fantastic team that I think you do. And so I think the consistency of Dallas Fuel over Shock trying to find their identity in this meta. I think that Dallas are the ones that are going to be trying to find their identity in week one. I think if I'm the Dallas Fuel, I'm approaching this from the perspective of we don't need to win regular season matches. We need to be good for the playoffs. So we need to practice different archetypes. We need to push ourselves outside of our comfort zone. If, I was, if I'm in a position, you know, coaching the Dallas Fuel, that's what I want this Countdown Cup to be. It's not about short-term success. It's about long-term success for the playoffs. So I would imagine that these opening weeks, uh, I th like I said earlier in the episode, I think that Dallas could run Winston comps and maybe just win the whole of North America because they they can lean into their style. But that is probably not going to win them the championship at the end of the year. That's not going to win them playoffs and grand finals. So to me, this is a necessary development point for them to branch out and try some other shit. Try playing, you know, some Zen, some ball, some other stuff. Doesn't have to be all the time, but I would expect them to be dabbling in it. And I think that is going to introduce some short-term weakness to Dallas Fuel's game that I think the Shocker in position to be able to capitalize on. You got Violet on a very comfortable role. You got uh, Glister on Tracer, Smurf on ball. I, I think this is good. Yeah, I, I think that this this is similar to me to the Paris over Dallas reasoning where it's like i actually don't expect this to be premium dallas coming straight out of the gates yeah i i could see that i i could see dallas still being on a bit of a copium though i could see them being like yeah we could probably you know get, get away with this we don't have to find our identity you know we'll be fine and then they get gobsmacked by paris and shocking week one didn't you say as well know. that you thought dallas would go two and two in this stage they could i'm, I'm just saying yeah they could uh, you know, Who I could definitely see to? them going two and two. Huh? Who do they lose to if they don't lose to Shock? They lose uh, to Paris uh, and probably yeah, probably Paris Eternal and Shock is probably who they lose to actually. But you know, but you know, actually, I could. Okay, can we move on? Like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> it could happen. It could happen. Okay, uh, all right, we're, I'll we're, stop we're needling you. With you know, chances here, not not the definitives. What's our next match of the week? Oh, the Atlanta Reign against the Houston Outlaws. Okay, and so everyone's gone for the oh. Houston Outlaws apart from the Reign Sympathizer, which you wouldn't have believed it at the beginning of the season. Our preseason shows, no. you absolutely wouldn't have believed it, but it's a vast. He's, he's gone for the Reign. Talk to me about this one as well then, because you said that the Reign would end up losing against the Gladiators. Uh, so why do you believe that they're still going to be better than the Houston? I just think that overall, A, I, I like their DPS line better than Houston. 
B, I think I like I even though I don't know what Iris is in is going to come out in B. I think overall their support line I prefer much more. Moss has been having a year. Moss has been having a yeah. really good year. Uh, Iris has been playing very well. Like we know we can play Zen. We're just not sure of it. Obviously, Crimson is more proven on it, but I'm feeling really confident. The meta is also better for their off tanks. Hawk, the Hawk Diva has been outperforming, is 100% going to outperform the Piggy Diva, I think. Um, yeah. That's and, a good point. I do think, and then the real, the only real question mark is just the main tanks, right? And you're still assuming Jongu's going to play when Dreamer was in playing ball before for this team. If they do that, I'm going to lose my shit. If they're but not that's playing Jungle the Houston Outlaws, that's what they'll do to you. <laughs> you know, so I I just think that like because to me otherwise the signing of Dreamer was an entirely useless signing to begin with, right? If they're not going to play him now, like why the fuck did they sign him at all? Especially when they brought him out and he played ball for them when Jungu was known to play ball. Yeah, he, did he? He played most of the Arissa for the Outlaws. He played right? he played Arissa and ball. His yeah. first debut was on ball. Yeah. So when Jongu was had been playing amazingly up to that point and was known for ball before, right? So yeah. logic might say, but who knows, right? They could have like shifted ever since then thing. Like, I don't know. So the real big question mark is just kind of like, where are we looking at with main tanks and like their direction of their team and how comfortable they are with the meta. But I feel more confident in the reigns direction moving forward, even if it might not be exactly to their meta than I do the outlaws currently. So okay. that's how I'm feeling. All right. Fair enough. Uh, let us move on to our next match of the week. The Gladiators against the Justice. And we're split two and two. Uh, so the Justice fans in the corner, Avast and Reinforce, have already spoken about why they believe in them. Avril, I I'm interested in your take on the Gladiators because you thought, I let me yeah. get this straight. You think the Gladiators are going to beat the out... No, sorry. You think the Gladiators are going to beat the Reign and then the Justice is going to beat... Fuck, who was the other team? Who are the Justice playing again? Um, was it Atlanta? Is, does uh, Atlanta play against no, Justice? Houston, Houston. Houston. They play Houston. Justice, beat Houston. Mm. Justice yep. beats Houston. But you think Gladiators are going to be better than uh, the Washington well, Justice? What, walk me through this one. Yeah, I, I got Gladiators up there because I was... First of all, a lot of this comes through the fact that I was mega impressed with them in Summer Showdown. In fact, I think they could have easily have gone to Hawaii. Um, I mean, if that came down... That map five on Nepal was really tight and gladiators i don't know i think atlanta outpace them and out, outplay them in in the kind of a broad mirror even though i mean if you want to dive into it really deeply gladiators did kind of win one of those maps as well but basically what i'm saying is i was really impressed with the gladiators performance overall in summer showdown um i think they got a a decent lead on the meta as well i mean so to washington dutch justice but i gotta i look at this lineup i'm thinking skewed brig that's a tick for me we're looking over towards kevster which is going to be really good in this meta um i i got faith in space diva as well uh, keeps the bridge ring is a good geo. It, it's a it's a tough one. It's a bit of a coin flip. I I like what Justice are doing in this meta as well, but to me, I just based on what I saw in Summer Showdown, I'm I lean towards Gladiators. It's you could even say this is like a, a 60-40 kind of thing or fifty-five forty-five. Right, right. It's pretty close, but I just lean slightly heavier towards Gladiators. Yeah, the the more that we're talking through this as well, the more I think that I am underrating the Washington Justice. The 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 big sticking point for me is always that backline. I have a lot more faith in Shoe and Skewed. I, and or, or Moth if they decide to run Moth. But Shoe and Skewed, I think, is going to be a significantly better backline in this meta. But how much does that really matter compared to getting Assassin and Decay in the server 
on roles that they're going to pound in. I don't know. I'm The more we're talking through this, the more I'm coming around to Jonathan's points about the justice. Honestly, I could believe it. The, 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 one of the biggest arguments for the Gladiators actually winning this matchup is that they already played them and we went to map five in the last uh, yeah. Summer Showdown qualification game. And that is where, you know, we interviewed the Gladiators on back chat. You can go and watch that video here on the back chat or watch uh, YouTube channel. But they actually talked about this, that they weren't really prepared for Assassin being pocketed as much with the Harmony Orb. And it really messed with the Gladiators' playstyle. Yeah. And it took them a long time to figure out that adaptation. So now, if you're the Gladiators, you figured out how the Washington Justice like to play Assassin Sombra. So now you have like a, a leg up in this matchup, yeah. starting from yeah. scratch. Yeah, that's a good point. A very good point. Uh, okay, moving on to I, what I believe is our final match of the week, but I could be wrong because I can't count. It is. It's the Hangzhou Spark against the Seoul Dynasty. Oh, no, and no. The, the three of us little NA simps have gone for the Seoul Dynasty, valuing consistency. But Avril has gone for the Hangzhou Spark. Avril, talk to me about this one. Why are we let's, wrong? Let's clear one thing up really quickly because you guys even, you you brought my name up in the last episode as well because you threw me under the bus for the whole soul thing. So apparently there's just like this this narrative that I'm like some massive soul simp. Okay. Um, I don't even, where does that even start by the way? Is that because I rated soul really highly in my preseason rankings? Maybe it is from there. Um, but I've, I've generally speaking, I've, I've started to slow down on my soul predictions. Um, I think the best part of soul has been the Prophet's DPS line. And it goes pretty downhill from there. I have a lot more faith in... I look at Hangzhou Spark currently this season. I look at what, what they can bring to the table for this current meta. I think there's going to be some holes. I think IDK is still a bit weak, but MCD Zen has been really strong. Um, I still trust Shy on, on like a Tracer pick, and McCree could still be possibly worked here. Bushray Winston, again, I... I'm a for some reason I'm I'm a believer that I think that ball is maybe a little bit overrated. I think Winston can be great in this meta, and Gushray is your number one Winston in the APAC region. Um Hangzhou Spark have they've kind of fallen over at really unfortunate spots, but to me they're still a pretty good team. And Seoul, I don't know, man. I'm I'm just starting to become much lower on Seoul stocks the, the deeper we get into the season. I just I just I, I I'm not liking the team beyond the profits DPS tier. The rest of the team after that just really falls off. I'm just saying, Avril, when you post that Twitter video or Twitter screenshot, this is the frame right here of the three of us predicting soul and you predicting hand drugs <laughs> That is that is your Twitter meme video. Exactly. Like, as it should be. I'm just saying. That just just advice. Because I'm I'm on the soul dynasty copium. And people know this, listeners know this. I consistently put faith in the Soul Dynasty to produce some kind of magic. And all they do is just a shit fiesta of disappointment. The entire season. I'm the believer who's like, don't forget about Profit. I am the guy who's like, playoff P. Don't forget about Soul come elimination matches. And they've just been nowhere to be seen. So at this point, I don't even know why I bother. I have no faith whatsoever. I might just swap to Hangzhou. I don't even know. Also, well, the reason the reason that I don't have big faith in Hangzhou is that when I watch them play, there looks to be a massive disconnect between their front line and their back line. Um, and in like in individual portions, they look relatively decent, but to get like their ability when they just the, the their pathing tends to get very disconnected. When they get their back line attacked, they are very they're like going forwards even when their backline is under pressure, so it ends up getting mixed up. They, they look like a team with a lot of talent, but not ever the coordination to be able to actually function at the top level. It's frustrating to watch the Spark play. It's, um, it's like watching early Washington Justice a little bit. 
Can I add that Hangzhou Spark to me have been the one of the few teams in the APAC region that have seriously challenged Shanghai. And even in Summer Showdown, I believe they were the only team, at least in the qualifying stage and in the knockouts, that actually took a map off of Shanghai and, and had other close encounters. They beat uh, them in the Dune Jazz qualifier with Yeah, that, that, that's 3 0 there as well. But, you know, recency bias in Summer Showdown, I would say even them losing to Shanghai, that was the best performance of any APAC team versus Shanghai. Everyone else got deft. Um, beyond that as well, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I'm, I don't trust in either Marvel or Gesture right now. I don't think either. Even though, if we go yeah. into something that's good for, I've been saying, hey, it's good for Winston. Mushray's there. Gesture should be there too. But even then, like Gesture still Gesture. It's also of their tank problems. Um, the more I just don't. There's there's two good players in the rest. Are just they don't they don't do anything for me. Um, and he, people say like, oh yeah, but you know what about Bernard and Hongzhou? Like he's not that great. I think I think he's underrated. I think he's actually okay. And right now, I've got better faith in him than to you. So Hangzhou Wait. just ticked way more boxes to me than Seoul do. I'm coming. I'm coming around and, to the Hangzhou and Seoul, pick. And Seoul have been destroyed by Shanghai, and Hangzhou haven't. They've they got they lost to Shanghai, but they didn't get destroyed. Seoul have been destroyed by Shanghai. Fuck, that's I might all swap. fair. That's all fair points, but I'm sticking with Seoul. I'm gonna stick with Seoul because, like, I just I. That's all fair <laughs> points, but I'm sticking with Seoul also because I just feel like they have a more complete team system currently than spark and like and i think spark are finished they do have the talent comparatively and it seems like they click a lot more often than dynasty against like top tier opponents but i don't know i'm every i'm just i'm ready they just treat me so wrong so right so <laughs> okay dynasty, i mean they can get the bread again yeah that that went off the rails <laughs> absolutely all right it's time for our final segment the most important segment every single week it's bren's play of the week presented of course by T-Mobile. Woo! Woo! And someone Yo! actually went back and they looked through all of the different Brens Player of the Weeks. So apparently, Jonathan is now tied for top with Zoe after having got it three times. I didn't realize you'd got it three times. Otherwise, I wouldn't have given you it last week. And that's... we have neither of us have gotten them. No, that's true. So I probably should give it to Avast this week, but I'm, I'm not going to. I'm going to give it to uh, I'm going to give it to a player this week actually not a, a member of the staff or anything like that but it's a, it's been a dark week obviously so no one's particularly impressed but so, the the subreddit this is a shout out to the community this one the subreddit has been picking up on different bits of like streams that are coming out of uh, APAC and it's always through the filter of like translation and shit like that but Nisha's streams and the bits that have been coming from him have been fucking funny. And they've sent me some of the time. So Nisha is Bren's player of the week. Because Fuck yeah. I think not only because it's um because the play has been fantastic whenever he's been fielded too but just the snippets that people have pulled from his stream and the fact also that it's just it's just I don't know. He feels at least from the, like, I mean, uh, admittedly, this is all from translations in text, so I don't exactly know for sure. But seems very just confidently out as a, an esports player, which is in some scenarios an uncomfortable situation, especially when you're just in the in the middle of China as well, which is not the most accepting place for the LGBT community. That that seems like a fucking just a a chad move. So yeah, uh, this is uh, this is sick. As a human being, the most important thing is to be happy. Just, just a fucking swell I bloke. I love Nisha. Nisha I actually bloke. did not know that. That's yeah. pretty crazy, actually. I mean, I, I think there's only like, I think there's only been like three, four 
openly gay players that we've had in the league. I could be wrong with that, but I think the number the number is very small. And when you look at traditional sports, it's like it's tiny. And that doesn't mean that there aren't people who are gay in them. They just don't come out publicly about it because there's often like a big community backlash, especially in traditional sports, which are so fucking backward with that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I, here we go. Brent's player of the week, Nisha. Because not only is he absolutely in terms of like the top five Briggs in the world, but he's, and Mercy actually as well, but he's, uh, he's been making me laugh on a regular basis with the little snippets that people have got from, uh, from the community. So there you go. That's how to know about Brent's player of the week this week. Love that. Well that's deserved. A good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Did, I mean, oh, that's right, because I saw the clip where Nisha was like, he was like playing and he was just like, yeah, I played this hero or this style because I'm a bottom or whatever. Yeah, he <laughs> was, was really like, funny. bottoms oh, yeah, are naturally bottom, good at mercy. So mercy well. the, the fucking comments were sending me as well because there was another, there was so another guy in the comments section and he said, um, fuck, what did he say? He said, uh, he said, um, <laughs> he said, that makes me so proud to be a top and a mercy. I didn't have the genetics. I wasn't born for it. It's all been hard work. <laughs> <laughs> that oh, that's just, really funny. That actually. is fucking. That is a peak Reddit comment. That actually. Yeah, that's so, Chad. That's actually Chad. Yeah, going. that's a good. That's a good player of the week. That's for the best <laughs> one we've had in a while. Um. Okay. So to wrap up this episode as well, episode ninety-seven, I believe that was the number. Yep. Uh, members. Any any members this week, Mister Curtis? There are. Oh, some some large members as well. Starting at the top there with Chris Brown. Welcome to large member. Joshua Fike as well. Welcome to large member as well, uh, Jacob, Misha, Lewis, Norell, and Nate. I think I think didn't we get Misha Lewis or is that? I don't think so. Is this Every, all new? Everything on screen is all new. That's all new. Okay, yeah, okay, I, I do okay. not remember reading that person's name. That's okay. that's a quite distinctive name. I think I'd uh, recall that one. Welcome to member though, uh, Derpy Tricks. Welcome to large member. Welcome Tier to large two. member. Uh, Jin Ho Kang, thank you and welcome to member and Brennan Hagen. Uh, which is not our Brennan, uh, but no. still spells it Brennan's way, right? Wait, close to the close to the Hagen Doss family of ice cream ice cream tears, uh, you know. And subscribe yeah. to our YouTube as well, and and they beat Sentinels, <laughs> and they beat Sentinels. <laughs> Things are exploding. Things are exploding <laughs> in the production room. Uh, thank you, appreciate it. We do appreciate the support as well. Uh, we've got the talent takedown draft that we just posted. Uh, if you didn't check it out, we just had this uh, Overwatch 2 episode with Siegel that I'm going to plug once more because I think that was sick. Uh, if you're interested in hearing Siegel's thoughts on Overwatch 2 and if you have any more uh, guest suggestions as well. And uh, Avril, thank you for coming along to this podcast as well. Thanks for, for gracing us. I know it's incredibly early in the morning for you, so I appreciate you coming along and giving us your little droplets of, uh, droplets of wisdom. Eventually someone had to talk about APAC, so we had to get Avril on, yeah. you know? <laughs> Unfortunately, it was the a week when none of the APAC teams played, played, so there wasn't even there wasn't even that much to talk about. But we'll we'll get you on another time as well, I'm sure. I look forward to it. Okay, well that wraps it for episode 97. We'll see you again next week, and we'll actually have some games to go through that time, so it'll be even longer. See you then. <laughs>